Hello, and welcome to Franchise Me. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And this is a show where two friends go on a journey to find the ultimate movie franchise. Each week, we'll talk about a film or films in a series, breaking them down and seeing if they are truly worthy of being in a franchise. As we finish different series, we'll compare and rank them among each other in order to find out which one is truly the best. This week, we think happy thoughts and protect ourselves from the Dementors as we discuss Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh. Andrew, hello, my friend. Here we are. Art's our third year at Hogwarts. Welcome, my friend. Yeah, it's our third year here at Hogwarts. <laughs> uh, we're learning all types of things. Uh, been introduced to some uh, some new creatures, Boggarts, if you will. Oh yeah. Other new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. I don't. Really... I don't know why they can't keep that position filled. Uh, I wonder if it's the benefits. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they don't, it's the benefits. Maybe they don't maybe offer it's... dental. Maybe they don't offer dental. They should really just give it to Snape already. He wants it. He <laughs> yeah. wants it. He wants it. <laughs> no, but uh, of course, welcome, my friend. It's, I'm so happy to see you. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. You know, this is uh, the third Harry Potter film, Harry Potter and the so, Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of the one uh, that is, I think, generally received as the best, right? Is this like yes. people think I, this is most popular from the most popular thing? This is one of the most popular. I think this is kind of one of also kind of like a fan favorite yeah. uh, among a lot of people. People. Um, but yeah, I think this one's kind of considered in in the Harry Potter verse the best. Yeah. Like this is the best that it got. And as we get into it, I don't want to reveal my opinion, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I think we're kind of uh, in line here and thinking that same way. Yeah. Um, you know, it is considered the best and there's a lot to unpack here with this one that yeah. I'm very excited to talk about. We kind of have been talking about the last couple weeks about the whimsical nature yes. of these other two movies and how it feels very magical and wide-eyed. Yeah. This is really the last one, I think, that captures that. And, and it's also the one I think that does it the most. Does it the most and fills out this world yeah. and makes it feel like you're in a magical world because after this week we'll probably be jumping down more dark territory from yes. here on out yes. but this is really the last one that we get just a truly magical yeah. well, experience you can, you can really feel the transition into darkness in this film like yeah. this film gets very dark like of the three movies we've had so far this is the darkest they're actually touching on like more serious like Harry's life actually feels like it might actually be in danger like yep. we kind of talked about before they're always kind of feeling like there's a protective nature against your characters like when you're when you're yeah. a lot reading or watching a kid's uh, whatever a book reading a kid's mm-hmm. book or watching a kid's movie or whatever you kind of feel like oh well there's no real danger because these characters aren't going to die or right. these people aren't going to be in trouble or really what everything's going to mm-hmm. work out and i think this is the movie we were where we start to kind of pull that shield back a little bit and go yeah oh maybe bad things can happen yeah you know, maybe maybe people can die or maybe maybe there really can be serious repercussions coming out of here so yeah. which of course that's only amplified as we go on even more yeah, as they they really lean into next week yeah. as this we'll is, talk about this is a part is, of like you know again this, not, is, this is kind of like this is kind of the perfect because they're supposed to be 13 yeah right so this is kind of like the perfect springboard for that where you know you're becoming a teenager and you're realizing that <laughs> there's not, more the world around you there's a world around you and bad things can happen yeah. you could suffer consequences yeah. and you could die like yeah. there are things out there that can get you and i think this movie does a really good job of playing with those ideas yeah while not obviously there's no major death of any kind no no but like it plays with the idea that there could be yeah there definitely could be i I mean mean, serious black nearly dies yeah well but even that like but it also it doesn't end with they tease this happy ending of like oh well harry has a a a family now or has a as a essentially a family member and they're not by blood but his godfather yeah and they tease, oh, well, you can come live with me and you can have a better life and we can we mm. can be happy mm. and you don't get that. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I, 
again, you're right. There's no major death, but by introducing that of like, well, you, we, this is dangling right in your face. This happiness that you want, that you've always wanted in your life, yep. And we're gonna pull it back. Like you're gonna, you're. This is this is the point where you're reading these books and going, well, this journey's happening. He's not going to be happy. Like this is not a happy life. This is not him. a happy life. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very much like a carrot in front of a rabbit type yeah. deal. Like yeah. here's this happiness. You can keep chasing it, but you're not gonna get it. We're gonna yeah. keep pulling that carrot away right before you get it. It's really wild. It, yeah, I just wanted to. The kind of mentioned the kind of the legacy of the film that it is kind of the one that i feel like you see people the most credit that is my favorite or that's my best it's i'm gonna say you right up it's not my favorite you know i've kind of gone on record of what it is not to give away opinions or whatever but uh i think it's really well done but it's just not i don't think it's my favorite right Uh, but hey maybe when we get there maybe maybe my opinions will change yeah but we'll see but um yeah i'm really excited to talk about this one um do you want to just kind of get into it or we might as well jump in yeah we got a lot to talk about here with this one a little bit to talk about but like i think a lot too because there's a lot of different people involved this yeah, time. Yeah, there's a, new characters, new roles, new things. Yeah, we got a new director. Yeah, absolutely, uh-huh. and very excited to talk about that one. Yes, but yeah, release date. This is a and so in the UK, this was released on May 31st, 2004, and it was released in the US on June 4th, 2004. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, again, you know, they kind of do the UK US release. Right. Um, I think that starts to go away uh, in the next couple of movies. I think they start kind of doing a worldwide re- release. Right, because these but, movies just become such a big phenomenon that yeah. it's like they have to be even you know when the Fantastic Beast movie was released earlier this year that was a week ahead I was so like say, sometimes that got the UK US release, it did right? yeah. yeah so and I, I think a lot of them do but I, as you see like with like bigger even when you look at like the Marvel movies mm-hmm. the bigger movies have you know have like a worldwide release so there's not like spoilers that come out right. although you can't can you really spoil this because their books like you kind of know how this is you kind of know how it's going to happen yeah so maybe that's why they were doing a uk us because it's like if you read the books you know what this movie's going to be essentially like Like, there's changes but they don't ever they're not changing the ending no like you know how it ends yeah Yeah. right but yeah Uh, anyway but you're right this is a new director this is directed by alfonso coron who so that's a name that is a a very talented uh director obviously you know multiple time academy award winning um i think so yeah i think so yeah um i know uh, a couple years ago 2018 roma was yeah. like i mean and huge. did he win for did he win for gravity i don't know if gravity won no i don't know i don't know if he won best director for gravity but um well i'm glad we have something called the internet so let me let me do a really yeah, good look yes yeah, so he won best director for gravity and roma wow for the academy yeah, award so yeah double right right yeah. so he won best director uh, twice yeah and um, just about like i think it's like four years like 2014 to 2018 yeah so, so and what's funny about this movie is this is way before that success. oh of course yeah of course you know, this is like a few years this is i mean gravity's 2013 so this is almost 10 years really before that success even comes yeah. but well, the fact that he's putting out a movie like this yeah you know in 2004 is incredible well he's coming off of for this he's coming off of e2 mama tambien which you know again a non-film i have seen but oh! i know very yeah very critically acclaimed very critically um, acclaimed this is a harry potter podcast but they explore sexuality a well, lot that's what i was movie. saying is I, I was gonna say that i did see that like apparently when he was announced people were like that's a very adult movie that he's coming <laughs> off of and he's going into this children's movie basically right. so I know there was kind of a a little bit of a question like oh that's an inter- that's quite an interesting choice but yeah. uh, definitely I think the right one for this movie oh for sure um, um, and sometimes they just pick directors not off of the content that's in the movies but sometimes it's just how the movie is shot yeah well um, I think 
a lot of times too, like I think more times than you would think, these like big blockbuster franchise movies actually find more success when they look at the smaller directors. Mm -hmm. Like nobody thought the Russo brothers were going to do what they did with the Marvel films or that Taika Waititi could handle a Thor film. And John Watts could direct the Spider-Man movies. The fact that they're getting the, and now, you know, they're handling these big things, you know, like these, you know, and those movies are kind of the, the bad, like the ones that those guys have directed are kind of the more acclaimed ones. You know what I mean? Like the Russo brothers movies are some of the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that, or at least that's like best widely received movies in that entire franchise. Absolutely. From these guys that worked on community and various things, you know? (laughs) Right, right. And I think picking somebody like this, you know, who has done, you know, these smaller movies or adult movies and knows how to handle this, but he, he's definitely a, a visual director. Like Mm -hmm. this is why I'm very excited to talk about him is because this is my favorite movie visually. Yes. You know, I, that word whimsical that you used Mm -hmm. is definitely the perfect word for this movie. And I'm excited to, as we get into our opinions, I'll touch on that more, but like you can really feel this guy's touch and this guy's vision in this movie. There's a reason this one stands out among the other ones is because of his vision. He's able to, it it literally has Alfonso Cuaron written all over it. And like you said earlier that he is a visual director, I think that's why they chose him for this is because yeah. he is a visual director. They mm-hmm. said, look at how he's shooting this. This would be great for this world. And there's so much little things. At, like you can tell that he put so much love into this movie yes. and that he wanted it to be a great film. Like he clearly adored the source material. Yeah. I mean, like I watched this movie and I'm like, I feel like this guy read the book and said, I want to do this right. And well, I want I want to show people what I I see when I read yes. this. Well, I'll tell you, I, I I just feel it. Coming off of you know, this might come from our fun facts, but he had he had hadn't read the books before he did this movie. Like he he went when he got the job. <laughs> well, there you know, when he got the job, he read this book, obviously. Right, right. But he was not like he was a diehard fan. I was like, I want this movie. I right, want this right. movie. You know what I mean? He just kind of got the job. He kind of got the job that yeah. came to him and said, "Would you be willing to do this?" And and he did. And again, there's maybe you know maybe somebody kind of encouraged him, and we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, very excited to get yeah, there yeah, when yeah. we get there. A little tease, little Tokyo tease, little Tokyo tease. Uh, but no, like this guy just, he really got it. You know, we, we mm-hmm. praised Christopher Columbus and rightfully so praised yeah, for him what for, those he did. First, for those first two movies. And he's still involved here. Like, I think people don't realize that he is a producer on this movie. That he makes still sense. has a role oh, here. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, sure. And it's at, not until after this movie that he kind of cut all ties from this franchise. You know, right. He doesn't, he's not involved in the next couple movies. But uh, yeah, like those movies fit, you know, the, ch- the childlike wonder of right. those. But at, you're right. As they are becoming teenagers, you need a maybe a little bit more of a mature vision. Yep. And I think this guy is the perfect guy to do it. And there's so much stuff again, well, some of the stuff we'll talk about in fun facts and stuff, but like he really like he didn't take this lightly. Like he really went into this. He he worked with the actors, he worked with these kids to figure out the best way to to get them to understand their characters, to right. make sure that they perform nicely. Like, you know, famously like the way that the kids look and the way they wear their clothes, like that's all yep. him. You know what yep. I mean? Like very well, uh, th- uh, again so the 20th anniversary special, I think they talk about this. Yes. He was the director that made them write essays, correct? Yes. Yeah, we'll about talk about himself. that. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I figured we'd reference it now since no, we're talking about it. Of course, yes. But, um, yeah, famously, famously, he made them write, made essays. Them write yes. essays. Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson write essays about their characters. Yeah. Well, Daniel, so, okay, I'll just, we'll just put it in Famously, Daniel Radcliffe, well, <laughs> Radcliffe writes, writes one page, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm very proud of myself. I wrote one page. Yeah, yeah. Emma Watson writes about 16 pages. 16 pages. And then Rupert Grant's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, he's just like, I and, 
like, and then he's like, well, why didn't you do it? He's like, well, Ron wouldn't do it. He's like, you're right. I mean, that's incredible. Like, it's such a good lesson for yeah. the character because you're like, oh, yeah, Ron wouldn't do it. And yeah. he's like, that's okay. Yeah. And he let him go. And he was just like off the hook. He was like, yeah, yeah great. And he just went ahead with the character. Yeah. That, that's just a funny, but like going to that length yes. is something that like Chris Columbus wasn't doing. And again, he didn't have to because yeah. and those also, were very specific. But and also like, those kids were younger at the time. Like they, they, they couldn't do that at the time. And now that these kids are, you know, 13, 14, whatever, doing this movie, like to have a director kind of like push them in that way and treat them as like adults yeah. and say, hey, why don't you write an essay about your character? I mean, that's, he, he really respected these actors yeah. and you can tell. Well, I think they even say in the 20th anniversary, I think like some of the other, like not, not the main actors, but like some of the other, like Tom Felton right, and right. Uh, I think it's Matthew Lewis who plays Neville Longbottom. Yeah. They said that like Columbus treated them like kids, like, you know, like he let, he, Columbus let them be kids. He let them have this wonder mm-hmm. and this enjoyment. And Quaron never looked at them like that. Like, not in an abusive manner by any means, but he just treated them like he would any other actor. Like, right. you're on my set. We're going to be actors. We're going to be professionals. Right. Going to, like, he treated them like they would the, the adults. Yeah. And they kind of praise that as well like that was a that was the way to kind of do it like yeah in a way that's what they needed yeah so you're not talking down to them yeah they're treating them as professionals and that's what they need at that time because i think that ends up helping with their growth later on through these movies yeah because if he came there and he was like well you're 13 do be a 13 year old like i think it would it would come off as like childish and and this movie is is not like you are literally watching that childlike wonder of the harry potter series kind of die yep throughout this this movie like you see aspects of it and then it's just fading like throughout this movie yeah the, to the point that the third act is very grim and, and dark yep. well it's still fun and whimsical it's very grim and dark yeah it is yeah you know, so for sure uh but no this is and we'll talk about him throughout this entire you know episode yes. obviously but really loved uh his effort in this movie and uh i kind of wish he would have come back i understand no Me we'll, too. we'll talk about that next week kind of you know what happened mm-hmm. uh but yeah I, I think this he's definitely the one who seemed to understand what was needed and really right. accomplished it so but written by Steve Steve Cloves. So it's Cloves, Clovis. I've heard a couple different th- yeah, pronunciations. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, he's back. You know, we mentioned this guy does every one except for the fifth <laughs> yeah, one. So. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah. again, not much to say. I mean, I think yeah. he does a great job writing this movie. Yeah, well, um, I think this is the one where... Like, where he really finds his groove. Well, that and like that, I, you know, I mentioned to you off mic that this is the one that it, we're starting to see the major dif- kind of differences between mm-hmm. the book and the and the movie. And right. there's not that many here, but we're starting to see that they have to, you know, to realistically make these longer books into movies. And right. this is the shortest of the series so far. This is a two twenty movie. Yeah, so this is the shortest movie so far, longest of the three books, but yes. shorter, you know, short uh, shortest movie to kind of condense that into you. Know, kind of pick and choose like what's the right way to still tell the story that needed to be told but mm-hmm. kind of condense the things you know like you know we'll talk about it probably later but like Aunt Marge in the book is is there for like a week and yeah. there's different in, uh, incidents that happen and they kind of condense it into one night and I think that's the right move yes because visually and in a pacing wise that would slow down the movie if you spend a week in the beginning of the movie seeing Aunt Marge just constantly bully Harry when it can be done in one exchange and you still get the the, the, the message and, yeah the effect that, of it all 
the effect yeah. of what it's about. So, so it's, I think it's those little things, but as we go into the next couple movies where there's obviously bigger changes need to be made because those books get even bigger and bigger. Yeah, the books keep getting bigger. I think that's where he kind of shines. Yeah, so. and he really streamlines them. He figures it out. Budget. This had a $130 million budget. Oh, okay. So cool. Money's there. Yeah, money's, money's there. there. Uh, but box office, $797.4 million. Ooh. So, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, it's still doing really well. Yeah, yeah doing, doing well, and it's only going to continue doing well. Yes, yes, Believe it, it is. Not, it's only I mean, uh, continue yeah. doing well. The the name Harry Potter and the word box office bomb they don't go together. Yeah, it doesn't. Know. It doesn't exist. Now, Fantastic Beasts and box office bomb. I mean, you know, that's a different story. Oh, but. Yeah, we'll be talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, want, you want to hear some Rotten Tomato scores? I really do. So, by the critics, this is certified fresh at 90%. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful it? thing. And, How and the, how's that audience feel? Fresh at 86%. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone's in agreement here. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I'm Cri- glad. I think Corone is kind of why critics, critics really love this. It because it's yeah. like... And I think, again, you know, this isn't my opinion. I think I think it just goes on record. This is probably the best made movie. Absolutely. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I think that's why he gets that. And I think critics saw that. And he's already... Like, he's yeah. coming off this critically acclaimed movie and then you see him and what he does in this movie yeah. and you can't turn away and go that was just bad i mean he yeah. made his mark on a box office movie really on a franchise movie yeah. which can be very hard to do yeah it absolutely yeah. is especially at that time like i said i think we're seeing now mm-hmm. this kind of wave of you know smaller you know name directors yes. kind of getting in there but this uh, reminds me a lot of when we talked when we were talking about fast and like yes justin lynn has you know, kind of an indelible mark on that. But like, this reminds me a lot of like Furious 7, where we talked about how James Wan, this felt like a James Wan movie. This is kind of that. Yeah. Harry Potter only does one movie but really leaves his mark on the franchise absolutely yeah well let's talk about that cast my friend let's talk so, about that cast I do have this condensed from the last couple of weeks it's not as thick I have all the new characters in but not I don't have every all those. single person now, who appears in this but, movie you know there's a lot to talk about with those you I know, agree but, with, I but, agree. but this those side characters are here but they're not really that important they're so not prevalent no, no. yeah yeah but Starring Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley, Emma Watson as Hermione Granger, Michael Gambon as Albus Dumbledore, Robbie Coltrane as Rubius Hagrid, Gary Oldman as Sirius Black, Alan Rickman as Cerberus Snape, Maggie Smith as Minerva McGonagall, Timothy Spall as Peter Pettigrew, Emma Thompson as Sybil Tarani, and David Thewlis as Remus Lupin. It's a lot to talk about here. And there's a lot of really interesting and kind of wonderful character introductions in here. Yeah. This is my like favorite group of like new characters that we're getting so far absolutely i mean look we we get lupin we get Sirius black we get tarani yep like we get you know even peter pettigrew like these are pettigrew like a lot of really good and we get a new dumbledore i was gonna say we get a new dumbledore man yeah so a lot a lot kind of here to talk about yes where do you want to start uh, let's start towards the back of the list. Let's start yeah. with Lupin. David Thewlis. I really like Lupin yes. as a character. Yes. I always have. Obviously, this is a character that reappears throughout the yes. series, becomes a recurring character. But as far as like an introduction, it's one of the best. I mean, yep. the way he is introduced, like they get on that train and he's just passed out yeah. asleep. But he's like covering, I think he's covering himself yeah. from the moon too. That, I, that's that and I think, I think I, I think, think he's also in, just tired. Well, I think it was implied that in the he book maybe that it just was, came out. It of, was out coming out off gotcha, of that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes. He was coming off of it. Yeah. So that way he's introduced, and then he ends up being the one saving Harry from the Dementor. But just everything that his character is, he's very. Uh, he doesn't reveal his hand and what exactly he's doing there. Yeah. 
because the entire time it's implied that Harry stay away from Sirius Black. You know, he even, he has like whole uh, conversations with Harry, like stay away from Sirius Black. You know, I, I think... And you're like, oh my God, like even this guy's saying it. And then it's revealed, oh, they're friends and they actually went to school together yeah. and they knew his father. And yeah. it's this whole thing. And you're like, oh my God, like it's a great, it's a great reveal. Well, I think it's, I think it's, a, and look, I'm, I'm, but I read I'm, the book. So I might get, well, I might get crucified. I don't, I, I don't remember. I haven't read the book in a while, but sure. isn't it implied that even Lupin believes that Black is guilty? And then it's only after he finds the truth about Peter Pettigrew that he learns. I think that is true. That he, um, he, be- he, I think he actually does believe that Sirius Black is dangerous. I think in the book, you're right, that it is implied that. I, again, I haven't read these books. No, while, I know. But it, would, it would actually make it, ma- that would actually make sense because when he's having those conversations with him, he's like, you know, stay away from Sirius Black. It isn't until Lupin gets the Marauder's map. Yeah. And, and he Harry finds, says to him, oh, oh, I saw a name, Peter Pettigrew, that yeah. he like instantly you can, he goes, and, and oh. you can see it in Thulis's face. He realizes. He's recognizing, oh my God, maybe this is true. Maybe, maybe this, this is true. true. It or, wasn't black. Yeah. It was Pettigrew, and he starts to realize, oh, this is what. Yeah. This is what happened. So I, I think that would actually make it make sense because I think you're right. I think it is implied in the book. Well, they, they and again, well, I have a whole section on the differences between the book and mm-hmm. the movie, and they there's a whole much more to how this portrayal went down in the book than there is in the movie. Like, right. The movie unfortunately does have to leave a lot of, especially these these like Marauders backstory kind of out of it yes uh, but that's very fleshed out in the book so right. I, I but you're right I think that is implied in the book but either, either way Lupin has this like gentleness to him which obviously yes. is conflicted because he is also a, a werewolf you know this he's also a werewolf the yeah. exact opposite of gentle yes <laughs> exact opposite of gentle but also <laughs> he realizes that he is talking to one of his close friends sons yeah well like that, his son. that, that weight <laughs> You like can, that weight of like I knew your father. Yeah. Like we went to Hogwarts together. But and, even when he talks to him, he says I knew your mother. Like he says to Harry, I knew your mother. He doesn't mention the father. He doesn't, he doesn't really mention, say much about his dad. You're right. You're right. He mentions that he knew Lily, which is interesting because as it's you know they don't really talk about it in this movie, but I think it's fleshed out in the book more that like you know he was close friends with James Potter, yeah. Sirius, and all, and Peter Pettigrew. It's interesting that he says Lily in the movie because well, it's like, oh, that's it. Because they obviously they all went to school together, yeah. but it, it is interesting he doesn't mention. Well, I think it's because the role that Lily plays again. It's we're, we're using were, our knowledge of the book obviously to fill in our very loose here. knowledge. But I, I think like he says it in here, like Lily helped me during a very difficult time. So basically, what happened is he couldn't get work because he was a werewolf, and right. she kind of took care of him and took him in for a long right. time. Right. Obviously, James Potter. I played a role in that role in that too, I'm but sure, yeah. it sounds like she was the more sympathetic or caring, right. or, or uh, of the two of them, right. to kind of step up and be like, he needs our help, he needs our our care, right. and it sounds like that's why he's kind of saying that. Also, maybe not to give away this because he knows Sirius Black is was also their friend, and Harry's all, you know whatever was also probably aware that Sirius was his godfather. He doesn't want to give he doesn't want to give all that, all away. that away. And, right, yeah, right. exactly. So uh, yeah, there's there is a layer of like secrets underneath this yes. character, but. He plays this so perfectly. He he is his relationship with Harry and the connection. They can you can literally watch them forming a connection mm-hmm. on screen and like the proudness, like the pride that he feels in Harry as he's teaching them, like you know the Patronus charm yes. and everything like that. It, it's it feels almost as if this is like a long lost father figure yes. to him, yeah. right? Like he you can feel that there is some sort of just like fatherly connection he has to this yeah. guy, where he's like I view I, he's a father figure essentially to yeah. him in the right way like the, mo- the 
the time that he needs this guy, he's there. And he teaches him the Patronus charm. And he teaches him how to fend off the mentors. I mean, that's a big thing. Because that could have been any other character. I mean, they could have had Dumbledore do that. No, they pick uh, Lupin. They pick yeah. Professor Lupin. And it makes sense later on. You go, oh, that's great. I also just love that name, Lupin. Well, and that's a, I, that's a criticism I know people got. Because I think, was it like Latin? Lupin means like wolf or something. They're like, oh, him being a werewolf is like the worst kept secret. It's like, yeah. Man, Who whatever. cares? <laughs> Who Like, nobody reads Latin. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's going um, back to Latin. Whatever. Or it's, it's some, it, I don't know if it's Latin, but there's some... Lupin means where wolf in some language. Oh, whatever, I don't know which Whatever. Book it over. But, uh, but no, um, a great introduction. Yes. I'm really Excellent. looking forward to him coming back. I can't and, wait to see uh, more of him. I'm so excited. I'm a big fan of him in this in this role. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's really wonderful. And we mentioned that he was up for the role of Quirrell in the first movie. Yes. And I'm very excited. I'm glad he got Lupin. Oh, yeah, Because absolutely. he's so much better in that role. Well, I was watching an interview with, with uh, Thulis and, and mm-hmm. Gary Oldman on the old 2004 uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban yeah, DVD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they talked to him about, like, did you read any of the books? And he said he only read half of the first book. It's because he was up for the role of Quirrell, and he stopped the second he <laughs> did the role. That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, and then Gary Oldman was like, well, I have a one-up on David. I read the whole first book. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, moving on, we have Emma Thompson as Sybil Trelawney. Oh, the, the great Emma Thompson. She is chewing scenery here. She is unbelievable <laughs> as Professor Trelawney. I mean, it is she really... She is having so much fun. <laughs> you can tell she's having fun. Like, just that manic crazy like I, I i don't she just captures it she's having so much fun while she's doing it she has those big glasses on that are like blowing her eyes up so like as she's looking at people she's like she's like oh look at your teacups and she's just like not she she's coming across as nuts she is so over the top in the right ways and it works so well and just that relationship she also she doesn't really have a relationship with her but just that relationship like with hermione the dynamic the dynamic yeah. of like hermione yeah hermione's just like this is just like this is the one teacher who just doesn't like Hermione. Who doesn't like Hermione, yeah. and also Hermione doesn't really like divination, and she's like, "This is a dumb subject. Like, you're just a fortune teller." And she like walks out of the room. But like, I mean, Emma Thompson is just she's literally she's chewing scenery. She's having so much fun in this role. And again, we get to see more of her as yeah. time goes on, which is very exciting. A little bit. She's a little it's bit. Not bigger. I think, I think it's yeah. uh, the fifth movie more or yeah. less. But yeah. like it's real uh, and she comes I think she's in the, the seven part two as well. You're right. But yeah. but it's it's tiny, like almost like cameos on It's almost cameos, yeah. but I think I yeah, but like for this movie in particular, it's great to see her and it's great seeing her with just the big eyes and the way she's dressed, the costume works so well. As soon as she gets like Harry's cup and she's like, Oh, oh, oh she's, so like, she's freaking she, out. She, she looks at it for a second. Oh, oh, and she drops it and she's like, whoa! It's like, it's like, oh my god. She's so like, as soon as something happens, she, oh, it's great. It's great. The one thing they do in the movies is they show that it actually does kind of look like a dog. And I think in yeah. the books implied that it looks nothing like a dog. It looks nothing like a she's dog. Like, yeah. She's like, it's a grim! She's like, it's a And she's like freaking out. You're like, okay. Okay, Professor Trelawney, relax. <laughs> but yeah, she's so much fun. And, and even when she has the prophecy or whatever, oh, servant and master will reunite. Like, it's so... It's it's so, so much funny. Yeah, it's it, so great. And then we have uh, a new villain here. We have Timothy Spall as Peter oh, Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew. Uh, this guy's I, slimy, man. This guy's slimy, but it, it's interesting we're using, like, villain here because it's such a small thing. No, no, no. He's not... Thing. But he will be a villain. He will be a villain, yes. but it's like... This is such a weird movie because it's not exact. Like, the Dementors are kind of the antagonist yes. of this movie. 
but Peter Pettigrew isn't exactly an antagonist in this movie because he's running away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's interesting that there's not really, like, a there's Voldemort no, like, a vil- figure yeah. in this movie, which is one of the rare, like, books that doesn't have, like, a Voldemort-esque yeah. it, thing happening. The bad guys are the Dementors, but they're yeah. not... But they're not, like, they're not human, and yeah. they're not exactly meant to be, like... Yeah, yeah, They're not yeah. evil. Yeah. So it's... it's, I it's mean, well, they're evil. They're evil, <laughs> yes. They're evil, but, like, they're... Um, I know what you mean, yeah. You know what I'm saying. Like, they're not meant to be... They're, they were the villains, but not the villains. They're, they're, you know, it's an antagonistic force. Nobody's controlling them. No, no. They're just no. their own things... It's just kind of like evil chaos, essentially. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, kind yeah. of what they yeah. are. But uh, Pettigrew's fine. I mean, I don't yeah. have much to say about him. I think, I, think, just... I think he gets the rat thing down really oh, well. 100%. Like, when he gets turned into a human and he's diving through that hole and then he, tur- he turns into Peter Pettigrew and he's right in the camera and he's like... I'm yeah. like, oh, that's fantastic. I'm yeah, like, that's yeah. really fun. It, yeah, it's it, obviously this goes on to be, a, and that's why I used the villain because he he's he's a full on villain in the next couple right, of movies right, for sure. But like he he definitely nails it like that like <gasps> like the, just the, the scared cat yeah slime like, but he's also slimy like you don't trust him yeah as soon as you look at him you're like oh I don't like this guy like when he picks up the wand he transforms himself back into the rat and he kind of gives that last like, that little wave, wave and yeah. he goes down like, like he's like like he's like I'm getting away yeah like, yeah it's yeah. just kind of you, like oh you you just there's is an unlikeability of this. You hate this guy the second you see him. Yes. You're like, oh my god. Also, I mean, there's you know logistically the implications that you know he's been with this teenage boy for a very long time and living with this family for a long time. There's a lot of really creepy things. Kind of you know when you look at kind of the life of Peter Pettigrew as Scabbers the Rat, but you know, uh, it's uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he could probably go to Azkaban. <laughs> Put it out there. Yeah, uh, well, but uh, but yeah, that's a whole lot. Put of, Peter Pettigrew and ask him. Out! That is a uh, that's a door I don't want to open. My We're not going to open that door. But, but, but no, no but, you're absolutely right that I think there's a lot of creepy. Look, but, there's implications made. Yes, yes, absolutely. But no, perfectly cast as you know this. The guy's great. Yeah, yeah, weasel of a character. Right. I mean, he really is a rat. He like, really he, is a rat. Maggie Smith is back. Minerva McGonagall. Yeah. Wonderful as well. Not really, in, not here as much. Yeah, you know not I mean? as much but to do, but works. Really yeah, works. Still love her. Alan Rickman as Severus Snape. Again, doesn't have too, too much to do, but his scenes that he is featured in, really well done. Yeah. I Again, um, this is kind of another interesting movie where I feel like he doesn't have a lot to do. Well, like, I don't he, think he ever really gets that much to do until maybe like, maybe like five and six, I guess. Like, well, six, yeah. Yeah, six for sure. I mean, he kills Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like he he definitely becomes an important character later on. Because um, you're right, I don't even think four he's a big thing because it's so about the Triwizard Tournament yeah, yeah, yeah. that he's not like featured that much in this movie. It is it's interesting watching this because I was catching things I haven't caught before. Like I thought it was really interesting how you know a lot of times they they play up Snape in the books and even sometimes in movies that he's like this like almost like evil teacher type deal that yeah. he would he would like forget these if something happened to these kids he wouldn't care. I found it fascinating that in that final scene. Where in the, when they're in the Shrieking Shack, or maybe they're outside. I'm sorry. They're yes, out, they I know exactly what you're going to say. Yep. Uh, Lupin turns into a werewolf. Snape jumps in front of yeah. all of them. Well, he, he looks. He doesn't notice the werewolf. He, he goes notice. to punish him at he first. He goes to punish him, and then, and then he, he sees it, and he he immediately protects, protects them. them. And yes. you're like, 
oh, he's not a bad guy. Yes. Like, he's protecting these kids. Even if he dislikes all of them very much, he, like, has a job to do here. Yeah. And I, I, I thought that was really interesting. You can kind of just catch little things like that. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to the first movie where he was the one counting the count. Right. You know, casting it goes the back counter to spell. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. He's casting the counter spell. But, like, it's it's fascinating to always catch those little things, especially um, in these movies where you think he's not doing anything, yeah. but there but he is protecting. Even when he comes in to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts, and he, he what does he teach him about? werewolves because he's yeah. trying to tell them hey your teacher is a werewolf like you <laughs> he know could, he could bite you yeah but uh yeah he's great though regardless absolutely gary oldman is introduced as serious black oh the great gary Th- oldman. this is you know again he doesn't really come into play till kind of the third act of the movie this is another guy who for not for the entire time but for a lot of it is, is chewing scenery the, the classic uh i've done my waiting 12 years of it <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's a good Gary Oldman. <laughs> I'm not my waiting! Yeah, you're right. He goes really over the top. And he's not in this. You're right. He's not in this that much. Yeah, yeah. It's really towards the end of the movie that he becomes like a character. Like we actually get to see him. And obviously Sirius Black. I keep saying this, but also a recurring character for yeah. at least the next two movies. Yeah. But like we get to see more of him later on. But it is great in this movie, his introduction. Because he, he comes off as just this over the top like villain guy. And I've been waiting yeah. twelve years on Oscar, and he's like freaking out. Yeah. And God, it's but it's Gary Oldman. Yeah, you know? oh yeah. And he nobody does it better. And this guy's about to have like like a resurgence here. Like oh yeah. He's going. He like he's already had an incredible nineties. This movie's two thousand four. What's 2005, Ryan? He's uh, Commissioner Gordon. Batman Begins, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, this guy's about to have a run of movies, and yeah. this is kind of like a starting point of, like, Gary Oldman's now a franchise actor. And this, to me, right? like, this is where, like, when I was younger, I was kind of like, wow, like, like, I kept seeing, like, Gary Oldman, and I was like, that's Gary Oldman? Like, like you that's look how at incredible he is. Bl- Sirius Black and, and Gordon, they don't really look like the same they don't. character, they like, look, or the same actor. They like, look completely different, yeah. and it, it's just a testament to how, like, transformative Gary Oldman gets for his role. Oh, yeah. He really captures Sirius Black so well. Even if it's just for, like, the last half hour of this movie. Oh, yeah. You just... You you like this character by the end, and you're like, I... I'm in on Sirius Black. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, him and Lupin do like the, some of the maybe unnecessary, like, they're talking vaguely about Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> right. And, and to right, make it look right. like, are they going to kill Harry? You know what I, I mean? I think like, that's more for the people who didn't read the book. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, if you didn't read the book, like, you're going in there going, oh, my God, they're about to kill Harry. But for, like, all of us, we're like, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, like, yeah, Peter yeah. Pettigrew is the rat. Like, we all know that. Yeah. But I think they have to kind of put those things in there because these, th- these movies still need to be for a general audience. Oh, of course. And there are course. absolutely people who went to see these movies who didn't read the books so you have to kind of have that element of like are they going to turn on harry are they not going you need you need that in there you know i i still you're you're right it it, it doesn't i i never find it necessary when i watch it because i'm like we know it's peter they're not going to kill harry but like i understand it's for people who didn't read the books that is is is. lupin a bad guy or whatever right right Gary Oldman does a great job of nailing the sentimentality of the role as well. Like, those quieter moments when he is talking to Harry uh, one-on-one and telling him about, you know, I want you to come live with me, or, you know, you're like, you know, you look just like your father, but you have your mother's eyes and stuff. Really beautiful, sweet moments that help build the... The relationship between these two characters because yes. they don't they in in these movies they don't get a lot of screen time together yeah that's so true. they have to make the time that they get mm-hmm. work yep to pay off when he you know spoiler alert I guess he he dies in the fifth book yeah or the that, phoenix yeah that that weight to it that mm-hmm. 
that it actually make it feel like it actually does matter when that happens. And they, well, I think he, they pull he, it off. Yeah, and they do for sure. And he obviously gets a lot more time in the fifth movie yes, because yes. that's the last one he's appearing in. You can kind of feel they're like, let's really go in yeah. on well, Gary he, Oldman. He here. pops up as like, uh, he pops up at the end. He's pops up as the ghost in in Seven Part Two. Yeah, um, he does. But, but like, yeah, you're right. But, but dude, like, they, got, they, they got everybody for Seven Part yeah, Two. Well, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody was back. <laughs> But you're absolutely right. He he is phenomenal as as Sirius Black. Yeah. It's, and and even like the the mug shots and stuff and like just the screaming. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, just off his rocker. I, yeah. I love it. It's um, great. It's side note. Like this movie did such a great job with those like those types of things. Also like the portraits. Yep. At Hogwarts, those as well. little touches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the fat lady hiding behind the hippo when she's yeah. scared and stuff like that. Like it's so. Cool. I mean, and even you know, I, I don't want to necessarily get into it, but like there's a whole thing on like the, they deleted all the i don't know if you remember the character sir duggan the knight who oh, right who is yeah. like <laughs> he's like the knight that replaced the fat lady and i don't think he's in the moot this movie i don't think he is no but they they filmed a bunch of scenes with him and he's all over the dvd yes uh which is really funny mm, so um, that's interesting so but i i love i love that and that that's just a lot of fun uh, but next, moving on, we have Robbie Coltrane as Ruby as Hagrid. Yeah, um, again, kind of... Uh, well, he gets more to do here because he gets a class. <laughs> yes, he, he has a little bit more to do here. I, I've always felt like he had a lot to do in the first two movies. I, I actually think it's 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 less screen time than he's gotten before. Um, he has the class, but he, uh, the thing is, his I guess his story is kind I of think... integral to this all because they have to save uh, it's Buckbeak. It's the Buckbeak, yeah. It's the Buckbeak stuff, yeah, and they need that in there because Buckbeak becomes such a prominent I, character. I would say he probably has more screen time than two. I think. I guess so. He you has, know what it is? I keep thinking about like the ending of two and how he gets that moment where everybody applauds yeah. him, and we don't really get another moment like that for Hagrid in the series. Yeah, and I think that's what I keep thinking about. I think you are right. There's pro- there there is definitely more Hagrid. Yeah, he stuff doesn't in this. get a, a sentimental moment like that, but he right. gets some he gets some fun moments. Again, another teacher abandoning a class to take a child to the hospital wing, but you know. Uh... But like you, you kind of expect that of Hagrid, <laughs> yeah. though. You know what I mean? Like you expect that of Hagrid, Madam Hooch. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, come on, what are you doing, Madam Hooch? There should have been a scene where Madam Hooch is in the back going. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, she truly. They should have. You know what I think happened? I think Madame Hooch got fired after that year. <laughs> I think what, they fired. That's why we don't see her anymore. That's why we don't see her anymore. I think she got fired after that year. Oh yeah, I'm gonna take this kid to the hospital. Oh, I'm gonna run it. I'm gonna run a flying class, but not bring my broom. Okay, calm down, calm down. I'm gonna take Neville to the to the hospital wing. Nobody fly your broom. Hold on to them still though. Hold on to them still, but don't fly them. Uh, hey, Madame Hooch, f- you. <laughs> But, uh, yes, Robbie Coltrane, great as Ruby as Hagrid. He is great. He's great. He's great. <laughs> he is great. Uh, next we have, uh, I believe it's actually Sir Michael Gambon as Albus Dumbledore. So, conversation here. Yeah. We can actually have a conversation yes. here. We, we've, been, is, we've been referencing look, the we've entire been, time. We've been teasing this. A lot of Tokyo teases towards yeah. this. <laughs> uh, we can finally have this conversation. Yeah. As we've been saying for uh, the last few weeks, we have felt that Richard Harris was the right Dumbledore. For, for those, those first, movies. For those yeah first two movies because that's how harry saw him yeah as pop pop whiz <laughs> as pop pop whiz this week we are seeing the dumbledore that i think is in my opinion the actual 
Dumbledore. Yeah. Like, this is kind of like the real guy we're seeing now. We're not seeing Pop-Pop Wiz. We're seeing... This isn't your grandpa's Pop-Pop this is, Wiz. <laughs> this isn't your grandpa's Pop-Pop Wiz. We're seeing, like, what Dumbledore actually is. And again, yeah. I, it's it's interesting. He doesn't have too much to do in no, this movie. No. He's not, like, integral to this movie. Like, I always feel like, the, the especially the last two, they always have to have these moments with, with Dumbledore where he's, like, him and Harry have, like, a Bondy moment. There's not really that moment in this movie. Like, Dumbledore gives... Hermione the idea for the time turner. Yes. But like there's no moment at the end of the movie where you know Harry and Dumbledore are sitting there and he's like oh it was your love Harry. Like there's none of that. Or I guess if it was Michael Gaiman it was your love Harry! It was your love! He's shaking. There's no like one-on-one moment between the two of them. You're right. But I love But I like I really like this performance. It it is basically what you're saying is this is like the darker version of Dumbledore because we've Find out that Dumbledore has, I don't know, would you say, a lot of secrets in his life? You know, uh, uh, maybe like a, maybe a movie's worth of secrets. Maybe a movie's worth of secrets that uh, have all been revealed to us if you uh, went to go see the movie. He, there is, you, we find out there's more to Dumbledore than than we we see, and and I think this is where we're we're kind of we're kind of seeing like Harry realizing now, like Dumbledore is basically telling these kids exactly what to do and how to do it without telling them that yes and i think we're kind of seeing this like sneakiness to dumbledore this like trickiness like even as we're going back in time and seeing like the enduring the time turner sequence when they're back in time and the stuff that's already happened yeah we're watching how dumbledore acted in that moment knowing what was going to happen it's so i i think the right word here is like the more mischievous side yes and and clever though because he knew he knew, yep. like if you he think was aware. of yeah, of his actions, he mm-hmm. went down there knowing yep. exactly how it was going to play out before anything even happened. What ex- exactly was going to, which means he he believed in Sirius Black being innocent. Mm-hmm. He believed in Buckbeak being innocent. He knew everything was going to happen, but yeah. he knew he couldn't play a role in it. So ultimately, like he kind of let like, me entrust these thirteen uh, year old kids <laughs> to do it for me with time travel. <laughs> with time but, travel, uh, <laughs> he kind of manipulated the situation. <laughs> about it that's pretty crazy let me trust these 13 year old kids with time travel to handle my problems for me that's a oh that's real great dumbledore that's real great yeah there's definitely uh some moral dilemmas if you really think about that situation and uh maybe dumbledore could have handled that a little bit better but Uh, yeah yeah he could have um it just it blows me away every time i watch these movies and these teachers man none of these professors care they're just doing whatever they want they're dropping kids off at hospital wings dumbledore's entrusting 13 year olds with time travel it's insane <laughs> but yeah no i i think you're the, he he definitely is bringing this in in intensity kind of yes. in this darkness and i know again i know some people people criticize this performance well i think and, people feel like they've never really nailed the dumbledore like you know and and that's fine i i think jude law might be the the most like critically accepted dumbledore yeah or not. yeah but i but the thing is he jude law is essentially doing a younger version specifically of michael gambles and you can tell kind of yeah it's yeah, not yeah. that is not a richard harris no no um, no he doesn't want, he doesn't want like him. harry <laughs> even even as a young man even as a young man dumbledore. <laughs> newt newt scamander i need you to find those fantastic beasts and tell me where to find them like there's none of that going on also i have secrets also, I have so many secrets. Some would call them the secrets of Dumbledore. But we'll put Fantastic Beast in front of it, too, because it sounds cooler. <laughs> um, but, like, he's clearly doing a younger version of, of Gambin. So yes, that's yeah. why I kind of take Gambin as, like, 
the Dumbledore. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I I like the performance. I do I, too. No, I, and I, I do too. I totally understand people are like, you know, as we'll talk about next week, the famous line. Uh, maybe we should just start the show with that line too. <laughs> like, I'll just grab you and go, go Does your put your fire? And I'll shake you and we'll see what happens. But like, and I know the book says he says it calmly and he does it intensely. But like, I don't know. I kind of think that Look, that work. I think that works for Dumbledore. Yeah, that I think that leads to a whole conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Of, but for um, this week, no. But I want to say that leads to a whole conversation of. And, and I've talked to you again about this off mic about like adaptations versus book expectations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's something we can talk about next week when we get there. But you're right. Like, I think for the movie that they're, they're being presented, at least this movie is what I'm speaking on right now. I think he's perfect for the role, and I love yeah. his introduction and i think he i think he does nail though those again those quieter moments he's giving the speech about the dementors being here and welcoming everybody back to hogwarts mm-hmm. and he's doing the they do the wonderful trick with the candle where he turns the candle off and then turns it back on yeah it's great like that whole speech and he's like you know you can always find the light in the darkness or whatever he says it's, it's like yeah. a light in the darkness speech it's, yeah yeah it's essentially and, and, and it's your classic light in the darkness <laughs> Classic, classic. <laughs> I, I think he, I think he does have a gravitas that he brings to the role. You know what I mean? I, and I, but I think he does. You know, obviously, again, you're right. He famously, can do the intensity, but I think he can do those quieter, more charming moments of Dumbledore. As I well, like so. watching it. I so. will. I. I think he has an energy that I that I think was missing from the Richard Harris agreed uh, performance. Now, I do think that. I wasn't sure when we talked about in the, the first two movies if Richard Harris could do what Michael Gambon has to do later on. Yeah. And after hearing a couple interviews with Richard Harris around the time he was filming the first two movies, I think he could do it. I think like a lot of that like frailness, I think, was kind of him adding that on. And right. I wonder if maybe part of the trick would have been like, you think Dumbledore is so frail, and then he eliminates that. Right away, right, right. maybe that's kind maybe of what that, they were going for. Maybe that's for. what they were going to do. I don't know. Um, it, it's it's interesting to talk about it now because we have such. There, there's literally two very distinct yeah. Dumbledores. Well, there's three, kind of. There's three with but, Jude Law, yeah. but like I, I think they're for the Harry Potter series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This franchise right now, yeah. there are two distinct Dumbledores, and I like that. And Gambit is not doing an impersonation of Richard Harris. He's not no, trying he's, to do. He's that. He's doing his own thing, which I really appreciate. Yeah. because he's taking on a big role, and I'm glad that he didn't look at those two movies and say, "I have to do that." I'm glad that he made the choice, or somebody let him. Somebody told him, "Hey." do what you want to do. Yeah. Like you're allowed to take this role where you want to take it. And he's somebody we're going to talk, we're going to continue talking about each week um, because I want to touch on him more each week. Cause I just, I, I don't know. I want to defend him and his performances. Of course. Every week. It of just, course. It, it, you know, it always bothers me when they, when people shut him down because I'm like, it's good. I think it's, it's really a strong. good performance. Yeah. It's a really good performance. And I think it gets better each movie. So that's how I feel about him. But Michael Gambon, that's my Dumbledore. Yeah. And then of course this <laughs> And then of course this leads us into our three main, you know, we have Emma Watson, Rupert Grant, and Dana Radcliffe. Getting better and better each movie. Yeah. This is the of, best they've been yeah, so far. Of course, like, you know, I again, you know, you mentioned the Goblet of Fire speech for, for <laughs> uh Dumbledore for Michael Gambon. Yeah. Uh, and people kinda of make fun of that. I think people kinda of make fun of Dana Radcliffe for the I'm gonna find him and kill him thing, you know. And <laughs> and yeah, it's a little overly dramatic. Yeah, but yeah. I, but like you know what though? A thirteen-year-old would act like that. Like a thirteen-year-old would be overly dramatic like that. Yep. Like I know, you know, we've we've talked about before. Like people trying to, like Vin Diesel trying to act, you know. And that was kind of the Dana Radcliffe huh. moment of that. But yeah, I think he, I think in a way he almost nails the overly dramatic manner of a teenager and how they would handle. Are- like they, that. they are like yeah. that, and they would they would want to handle that situation like that. So yeah. across the board, I think the acting is 
is really strong. And the fact, again, that we are watching these, it's weird to watch these kids grow up in front of your eyes. Yeah. And they are aging pretty gracefully, and and they're just, you're right, they are just getting better. Yeah, each time I, I think on this screen. is the best they are. And, yeah. and the chemistry between the three of them is still really still strong. very much there. Yeah. It's still strong. You're right. It's just it's great watching them all together. And um, like I say, it feels like also you get much more. Um, Hermione in this movie. I mean, the yeah. end of the movie is Harry and Hermione this time. As We're getting the switch off from the, the Chamber switch of off Secrets. From the second movie. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. Um, so yeah, I, I like all three of them still very much. I think they're all still very strong. Out of the three movies, this is definitely the strongest they've been. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I, I yeah. love it. It's I great. think as we go through and they get older and older, we'll have more to talk about them individually, but right now right. I don't have it's, too it's, much to say about still, them. It, this is still very much a phase where it's like, they're still like the group. And yeah. they're not each kind of getting... As the movies go on, you kind of see like they each get like individual growth in their own ways. Yes. This is still very much like Harry-centric, and it's the group. And they're not getting that individual growth all yeah. together. Like, it's still very much they're together. And when you talk about them, you have to talk about them together. Because 90% of the time, they're all on screen together in some yeah. form. Or one or the other is. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just one of those things. That dynamic is still there, and that's what's important. Yeah, you still absolutely. have that core. Yeah, it, it's all about the chemistry. Yeah, it's, it's all about, about the chemistry. chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about the story, my friend. I have Ooh. a little synopsis here. As Harry Potter prepares to return for his third year at Hogwarts, he learns he may be the target of Sirius Black, a murderer who escaped from the Azkaban prison. As the year continues, Harry becomes more aware of his connection with Sirius Black and the role he played in his family's betrayal. As Harry's anger begins to grow, he prepares himself to finally confront the Prisoner of Azkaban. Ooh. Nice. I think, you know, when we talk about story, obviously, you know, <laughs> we, the books. You know, there's always... The books, th- right. This it's entire the books series and... is, has been, and will continue to be... Yeah. It's the book story. It's the books. Which, I, I think it's uh, a solid... I think all of these stories in the books are solid stories. Yeah. I think it's translated to the screen very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned, you know, kind of the little differences they had to make, obviously, to contend certain things. And right, I think right. That, I think they make the right choices. For me, they make the right choices. As we go forward, um, you know, in the next couple of books, the next couple of series, I'm not really, for the most part, like, on the camp of, like, well, they left this out of the book or you're, whatever. You're not, like, you're not a book purist. No, no. Yeah. Like, I understand that. I look at the books and the, and the movies as, as different things. Like, yeah, there's right. a couple of things, like, I wish they would have handled certain things maybe the way they did in the book. Yeah, but yeah. I understand that they can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if they had to uh, uh, to remove something because mm-hmm. you got to keep those that story going. You got you know you got to do Absolutely. that. So, but I think overall the story is uh, very strong. Obviously, it's a very engaging story. Yeah. It plays a, it's not the most impressive part of the film for me. We'll talk about that more as we right. get into our opinions. But I think it is a strong story and I think it is uh you know it handles the kind of angst teenage angst a little bit obviously you know the dementors kind of represent like depression and things like that. Yes, and this is yes. kind of the, you 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 mentioned earlier like 13 is kind of the time where you could just kind of start seeing these types of things in yeah, the world. So, yeah. Your emotions uh, become more prevalent. Exactly. Yeah. And I think how they handle that really well. And we're also getting a little bit of the backstory of like, or not backstory, but exploring like Harry's emotional trauma a little bit. Yep. Like why does he keep fainting when he, the Dementors are around? Mm-hmm. Because he's a little bit more messed up than the other kids. Yep. So. That's exactly <laughs> it. Um, yeah, it's a great story. Um, this is one of my favorites just in the series in general. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, film-wise and book-wise, I've always really just liked this book. And yeah. I've always oh, liked it's, this it's a wonderful story. It's a really wonderful story. It sticks to the landing. It hits every stride. Like every goal that it sets out to do 
it hits that goal really well. And I just, I, I love it so much. It's so well done. It's whimsical, but also starting to introduce much more darker aspects to the story, which obviously, as we keep mentioning, lean, they lean into very hard next week. <laughs> but um, it's great to see a story this well done and this well written for a movie and have it at 220, yep. but it really moves. It does. Like, this really it's moves. It's a very well-paced movie. Like, it's very well-paced. Like, I, I was at points where I was like, oh, we're, like, half hour left. I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. it moves really quickly, and you don't feel... To me, I didn't feel that 220. I kind of felt like it. this was one of the best-paced Harry Potter the movies. third act, for me, the pacing's a little off, only because mm. we're watching everything twice. Kind of. I like that. No, and, and, no. I, I love that. I, I'm not complaining <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that, but I think I, I think because it's it. I really like that aspect mm-hmm. of it because look, look, I'm I've been on record. I love the Back to the Future tr- uh, trilogy. I think it, to kind of do the Back to the Future two, where they gotta go back into yeah. the scenes and they they explain that oh this person was always there or this kind of yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I I do love that, but I think. For me, as I was watching, I was like, didn't we already see this? I'm like, oh, well, we're seeing it from a different angle. So mm. I, I think that does slow the pacing down a little bit. But I, I am going to hold you to that when we do Back to the Future. <laughs> when we do Back to the Future Part 2, I expect this exact same argument. No, I, no. Oh, no! <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I know, I know. No, no, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm t- I, I, I kind of confused myself. Like... I I get, I get I don't I'm not complaining about the sequence. I think I know, the sequence I is really well done. But I just think that yeah, it, to me there's something off about the third act that is a little a little it's it's not bad. It's not a complaint. It's just a I, little <laughs> slower. Those first two acts though, they fly by. Yes, they absolutely so. do. I I you're allowed to have that opinion. I'm just <laughs> I'm just I'm just No. <laughs> I'm just busting you. I'm sorry, man. It's all good. But yeah, it, it it's definitely very fun. It if you think to like it's always fun for me to look at like these movies and kind of see what's happening when because they never really distinguish oh this 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 is on this day or this is on this day yeah. and a good chunk of this movie is kind of one day like the divination and the hippogriff accident <laughs> yeah, is one that's, day that's all, what, and what a day <laughs> and that's like it's like twenty minutes of the movie like. what a day <laughs> I mean like imagine if we had that kind of day where we had a divination class and that hippogriff stuff we'd be like how is this school oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, insane. Fun times. But yeah, you want to just tie this into our opinions? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, we've walked around this entire time. Uh, it's a, it's an incredible movie. I it's love an, this movie. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. This is where I can kind of talk about more like the atmosphere, the mm-hmm. tone of this movie. Please. Uh, the, it is this, this is whimsical. Like this is wh- the word whimsical, like defined for me, mm-hmm. like every little thing, like that Corone kind of like has thrown in there. Like you, you're in the, you know, you're in the leaky cauldron and the guy's stirring the, the tea with the spoon magically. Yep. And the guy who makes you, you see a bottle disappear in front of your face. Yeah. I'm assuming that's a practical effect. Like, yeah. Uh, and you know the guy who puts the chairs on the yeah. table, flips the chairs. Or you yeah. know the the maid goes by and the broom is sweeping. Yeah, and, and they're like closing up and, for the day. Yeah, right. and there's a teapot floating, and there's a guy in the background of a scene just like magically enchanting a, a rope that you can't even see. Right, like it's but it's just, it's there. Yeah, it's there, and the fact it. that they include those little things are like. You know, the joke of, you know, the maid knocks on the door and there's some type of monster or something that roars in there. Like, I love these little things. Like, there's so much more going on in this world. Like, 
This is somebody having fun in this world, fleshing mm-hmm. this world out. This feels magical. This yes. is the most magical Harry Potter yes. movie I think we're ever going to get. And when we get to those later movies, especially when we get to like the Fantastic Beasts movies, I think that's kind of what's missing. They are supposed to be... like These movies make sense because they're set in a school and the kids don't really know. But like when you get to Fantastic Beasts, and I don't mean to go sideline off, that, that, off on that, but like those are adults living in a magical world and we're seeing a full magical world and it does kind of feel like it's missing the actual magic. We're like this, when we get when we get the world outside of the school or we get to focus on the adults and to see how they use their magic, yes. like Lupin opens the crate without touching it. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore turns off a candle and turns it back on. Like that little thing and what you can do with magic. Yeah. It's incredible. It's yeah. really incredible. And I think, again, if you're a book purist, you might not like that because I don't know if it necessarily goes with the rules uh, of of the world kind of set up in the book. But I love visually for a film. I think it's incredible. I think it is in the book world, actually. There's certain I think is- things. Certain things are and certain things aren't, I think. You know, I don't even care. Because I, I, we, don't, cause, I don't care. Because... <laughs> I don't even care because the movie we get here is, you're right, it's magical. The atmosphere feels the most whimsical, the most magical, the most like wide-eyed. It yeah. feels like I am in the wizarding world. 100%. Like, I feel like I am walking through the wizarding world and I love that there's not a Diagon Alley scene. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so happy that that's not in this, that we have to like sit through that. Like this is just a straight up like... We're going to show you the magical world without going to the locations that you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. And you're just getting to see witches and wizards operating in the real world. Yeah. And how they live their lives. And uh, it's funny because it's like, you know, you think, <laughs> even even though it all is very magical, it's also a little mundane, their everyday lives. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like, it's funny, He's too. casually like, flipping yeah, the chairs. Like he's, he's casually, casually stirring the, the cup. Maid, the maid's opening the door. She get The monster screams, then it closes the door, and she's like... Oh, come back later. Like, yeah. it's just kind of like she's like so, she's still kind of, bun- it's like still mundane. To but us, like, this is amazing. To us, it's to amazing. It's, it's a Monday. Yeah, you know it's just I mean? another Monday. It's another Tuesday. It is what it is. But I just love those little touches. And yeah. I, I just, again, this goes back to uh, Quran. And I, I just have to imagine that he went to each of these actors and said, why don't you just like do something interesting? Like think like, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to these actors and said, what do you think you would be doing in this moment as this place is closing down? And maybe they all came in with ideas and said, Oh, I can put the chairs on the table. That's a great idea. Let's flip the chairs on the table. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a bottle disappear. You know, like I have to imagine that that was partly him um, coming up with these ideas, but like it even goes beyond that. Cause even in Hogwarts, this feels like the most magical we've seen Hogwarts too. Well, even like, the chorus, the chorus, like holding the frogs. Like, yeah. There's no explanation, but it's super it's cool. It's super fun. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. Like you just get to watch it and you're like, this is great. Yeah. You know, and this is actually, I we, we haven't even mentioned yet. This is the first movie where we get to see Hogsmeade. Yes. Um, yeah, and, that, and that feels very magical as well. And that too. feels very magical too. And they go there quite a bit. And I love, um, the one staple that I will say that I love about these movies and every, all three movies have done it is, there's always like a winter scene. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. always a winter scene and Well that that's why these movies have kind of been lumped in as Christmas movies. As Christmas movies. And you're movies. right, the first one's probably more than any of them, but I right. think all of them have kind of been Right. And there's not necessarily there's no Christmas scene in no, this movie. It's no. more of like a like you're you're absolutely right that it is like a Christmas feel, but like every single one of these movies just always has like this winter you know, snow falling on the ground scene. And I love those scenes, especially in Hogsmeade. It looks really great. 
But there's just so many like great touches throughout this movie that really just fills out this world. And you're getting to see Hogsmeade. You're getting to see uh, witches and wizards operate in the real world. Hogwarts feels more alive than ever. It's just, it's very exciting. You get the Marauder's Map, which is a cool Oh my god, visual. okay, very quickly. Am I the only one who wants a Marauder's Map? No, of course. I desperately want that. Yeah. And it is such a cool tool to introduce in this movie. I mean, I just love it. I mean, as soon as Fred and George... I love actually that they like could see Harry. Not see him, but like like well, they, figured out they he was figured, there yeah, exactly. and they're just like there's like oh not too not too bright harry and they're like walking away they're like you're not very clever and then they're just like handing them the marauders map and it's just great like that whole mischief managed yeah, yeah, i yeah. mean i i would say that probably the marauders map is maybe one of the like the most quoted lines from the series like oh, i yeah. solemnly I'm swear I'm up to no good. Good, that's yeah. one of the most quoted things from this entire franchise yeah. and it's just it's a great tool and the way it's the, the way the map looks and everything moving I, I mean it's just incredible I feel like I'm ranting but no I really, no please, please I just I, I love like, I love all of those touches when how they use that in the credits and like that's yes. the credits tool, I, lo- I love it I love the visual style of it I love yes. the use of it uh, it's 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 really great but it adds to that magical nature of this movie like mm-hmm. I know it's kind of stupid to sit here and say like an, of the third movie of a series that's about witches and wizards that it feels magical but it does like it, this feels like the most we're just living in yes. a magical world. Like the other ones kind of feel like it's a spectacle. And yes. when there is magic, yes. it's this big thing. Right. And this is very much like, this is just normal to everybody. Yeah. Like this feel, this is the one that feels the most quote unquote grounded in the magical world yeah. where you're just seeing people live their lives. And I know. So I know what I really love. I love the opening of this movie. Yes. And the use of like him, you know, using the Loomis spell to read his book or, you know, practicing the Loomis spell. I know that that is kind of a controversial scene. Yes. And people make fun of that a lot because as as they even state in this movie that the use of magic for students outside of Hogwarts is illegal and can cause a, a suspension or expulsion from the school. And I know people kind of make fun of that and go, well, how are you How are you going to have that part of the Marge storyline that Harry's afraid he's going to get kicked out of school because yep. he accidentally blew up his... His aunt, his aunt center <laughs> uh, versus he's purposely doing magic in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And the way I look at it is like if you're going out there and you're and you're going up in front of people and you're transforming transforming cups into rats or rats into cups or whatever right, you're doing right. and showing off your magic, then they're going to be like, yeah, you're not welcome at our school anymore. Right. But if you're in if you're in a, a house under the covers using your wand as essentially a flashlight, I can't imagine. Like there nobody's going to look there- at that and go. Oh, Harry Potter uses one as a flashlight. Let's kick him out of the school. Right. You know, right. I just Let's get him I, out. Like I they're can't not they're not going to do that. Yeah. yeah they're not going to do and that. And Fudge even says he's like accidentally causing your aunt to like blow up and and fly away isn't expulsion worthy. Like yeah. he's Well, he's he literally he's like we I think the line is like he's like we don't put people in Azkaban for blowing up their aunt. Exactly. And he's like that's so they're, it, they're not going to do it for the same they're thing. They are like, they're grounding right there. They're grounding like the laws yeah. of the outside like what they can do in the outside world essentially where they're like we understand there are situations where it's like yeah. oh that just happens. And that, and, well, and yeah. And these are also kids. Yeah. Like of course they're sometimes going to like forget, you know what I mean? Like Harry yeah. it just it happens sometimes and they and, have to accept that. And like that might not technically go with the mm-hmm. continuity of the book, but that's this isn't the book. That right. that kind of, you know I'm going to from again from now on will kind of be like this isn't the book. This is its own thing. Right. The continuity of these movies is that it, it's okay. Yes. You know what I mean. And on, only when the government wants to kind of be a d- 
is it becoming a problem? <laughs> right, and that's right. in the fifth movie. We'll get yes, there. We'll but, get there. We'll get yeah. there. The uh, the uh, often very political fifth movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say too, we didn't talk about this sequence. I love the night bus sequence. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, I love that, the night. Well, bus. that's super cool. And again, like the music behind it, and, and the I little just, touches. Like I love the talking head. I love the talking. Head Not too. in the book. Not added the book. for the movie. Added for the love movie. Love the talking head. I love the talking um, head. I love how they. Sh- I love the old guy driving the bus. Like, Ernie, like, Ernie, Ernie, let's go. He just gets up. He also <laughs> kind of has those crazy glasses, and he's like, <laughs> it's like you. You're like, I don't trust this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's. I, I love the night bus stuff too. Yeah. I think that's all really good. And the creepy uh, bus conductor, like oh, the guy. Stan. Stan yeah, Tuck, yeah, he's kind of uh, creepy. Yeah. He's got like you know, he's got like acne and everything, and he's just like a mess. And he's like Stan Shunpike. Shunpike. Stan. I, I messed up his name. I Shunpike. Shunpike. Okay. Shunpike. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to point out that sequence too, and how much fun that whole thing is because it, it, it moves, like you said, kind of at the beginning. Well, I don't think we said this, but like the Dursleys is like ten minutes. And yeah, then we're out the door. Minutes, it's yeah. like ten minutes. We're out the door, and then we're on the night bus, and it's like this is fantastic. You yeah. know, it, it really. It, yeah, I just wanted to point out that sequence. Though. Oh, it's a wonderful sequence. But again, that adds to the magical nature of yes. everything. And also, like, talking about Corone, like, I went through basically all the features on the DVD, and there's a lot of really cool stuff mm-hmm. about how they did a lot of this. And a lot of this kind of practically, like, they took, like, a double-decker bus or, like, a bus like that, and they cut it in half, and they placed it. A, they placed a layer in the middle <laughs> and, lifted, and lifted the thing. Ah. So, like, that's kind of how they made that. And there was a set of you know, and and they drove that they drove that car around like that's a car driving on the street. That's amazing. Uh, and then you know they took a set of like Harry Lang of the inside, the internal uh-huh. of the of the bus, and it was on like a thing. It's just moving back and forth yeah, to right, create right. that, and that's really great. The Shrieking Shack and how they do it, like you might not even see it in the movie, but the Shrieking Shack set was put on again, kind of like that, like like a hydraulic system, kind of yeah, where like yeah. it's it is the wind moving the set, uh, and the, as they're walking on the set, like it's moving and the yes. wind's blowing it and it's causing it, and that's uh, why that's God, how they got so that effect, cool. like. They're able to do stuff like that. That's and so it's cool. the little details like that that really win me over. And yeah. it's really, there's some really cool realistic things. And like even how they made Buck Peak. And look, man, like they go to the extent, I'm not kidding you then. Uh-huh. So you can see this movie. Buck okay. Peak poops in this movie. You can see Buck Peak take a sh- in this movie. <laughs> and the fact that they added a little. Finally. The, the fact that they added a little detail like that. Uh, it's like super cool. Finally. You know, I, I said last week when you said, what do you want to see in the next movie? I said, I want to see Buckbeak take a <laughs> Remember that? I said that. And uh, we got it. We were It was delivered this week. Yeah. It is incredible. It's, I, so I, I missed the <laughs> So is that like... Does that does that happen when they're in the class? Yeah. Like when so when they're so when, when they do the they do the long shot of it just kind of comes out. He, like a horse. Uh, yeah, like he like kind of is standing there, and they do a long shot. And you can see the hippogriff and Hagrid's in the middle, and Harry's on the end, getting uh-huh. ready to walk towards him, and just something falls out of him real quick. Incredible, uh, like and, a horse. Yeah, <laughs> like a horse. And as he move, and he starts to move up, and you can see it laying there. Oh, that's so. amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Alfonso Cuarón. I think I don't know. if... I think that was the special effects team. I think they just threw the little... Because they're the ones that pointed it out. They were yeah. like, yeah, Buckbeak, uh, Buckbeak tastes a little, leaves a little present yeah, in yeah. that scene. Well, as you so, know, uh, as they talk about um, the Wizarding World, they just make it disappear. Yes, yes. Well, that we're going to talk about that. Cause <laughs> I'm gonna For the retrospective, I'm going to try to see if I can hunt down all the weird uh, little things that we've learned about it. But you're right. Toilets are a relatively new idea in this world, apparently. Yeah, apparently. So, uh, 
Fun times. Fun times. Um, but no, like, the fact that they went to, like, you know, obviously that that's not, you know, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing in the world, but it's a fun little detail it's they added detail. in there. Yeah, yeah, it is. But how they made this stuff, and, and like, there was, like, an animatronic butt peak for scenes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's really cool, like, really creative how they did it. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, Koran and his entire effects team and makeup artists and whatever, everybody who right, worked on right. this scene, set design and everything, really impressive and well done. And... If you notice, like Hogwarts looks different. Like they kind of changed the aesthetic, the design of Hogwarts, the the geographical layout of the of the set of the of the castle, right? So that certain things connect, like you know, they the with the bridge and there's things and and they, they make it more clear, like oh, if we're going this way, we're going to Hagrid's hut, or if we're going this way, we're going to the Whomping Willow, or right. whatever, like. To be able to understand that more, are we coming out of the Great Hall and there's now this hallway leading to a staircase? Yes. Like things that become kind of very iconic to the world, like we're seeing mm-hmm. more now. Yeah, and I actually, think that that's yes, that's super cool. So uh, um, it is really this this little magical touch that is on this movie. And also, I wanted to mention, I think I, I, I said earlier, like the side characters, they don't have too much to do, but I think they're used almost perfectly. I agree. Like yeah. when they pop up, when Neville pops up. And he has like a moment, you know what I mean? Like he pops up and he, you know, can't, he can't do, he can't open the, the mad, the magical monster book or whatever. And he gets attacked by, by the, by, uh, by the book. That's mm-hmm. a fun little moment. Yes. And there's little details and just all of that is like super fun. So the way that they're able to give these people just a moment or two to shine. Mm-hmm. And that's all they really need. Like, you know, you don't need an entire moment. To drag out this character or their motivations, yes. we're building them up. We have eight movies to build up these characters yep. and give them these moments. So there are there can be payoffs later, even if this character only has like let's say ten minutes of screen time in eight films, it still works. Yes, so I agree. I can't it's praise a, this movie enough. We can't praise it enough. Uh, your score, my friend. Well, uh, I gave this five stars. So did I. I gave Ooh. this five stars. Yeah, it's another double five star. It's another... Put it on the list. We got Shrek. Shrek 2, Fast 5, Furious 7, Before Sunset. Now we have Harry Potter and the Prisoner yeah, of Azkaban. Yeah. This, may, yeah. this may be our only five-star, too. I'm not sure. Well, I know you got you yeah. got some love for a later one, yeah. but I, I, I'm not I sure. I think this is going to be the only double the only double five-stars. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get you to, to my level, but I might be handing out a five-star later. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Double five-stars? I'm just calling double five-stars. We both gave it five-stars. Oh, okay. I was like, what does he mean? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is, it is a double five-star. Well, let's talk uniqueness, my friend. Uh, for this movie, you know, we kind of did this a little bit, but what stands out to you here in this movie? The incredible wizarding world that is created here and all the touches as we just talked about, the fantastic story, kind of just the upped acting ability of everybody. Like, you just feel like, oh, everyone's on a different level here. I would say just all of the, uh, also just kind of all the touches with the new beasts introduced. Like yes. your hippogriff and yeah. stuff like that. It really, there's so much love in this movie. I think that's what's unique. Yeah. Is the amount of love put into it. Yeah. The darker uh, tones as well. The, the, Dementors. The, yeah. The oh more mature yeah. tone. And we even mentioned too, like the like the freezing, like the freezing technique you use when they enter and, and the water turns to ice. Like that's so cool. Yeah. That, so cool. that whole opening on the train. I mean, it's really, yeah. yeah. The atmosphere of the film in general, it's 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 really well done. Yes. So, uh, there's actually even like, I know, again, uh, not to go on the sideline, but like they on the DVD, there's interesting information about like how they made the Dementors. And at one point, they talked about even like Corona kind of wanted them to be practical if they could, and it's just not possible. Yeah. But at one point, he like contacted somebody who like is an underwater puppet and tried to even <laughs> do it like that way. Nice. To kind of like put like it underwater and submerge it that way right. and kind of 
like blue screen it onto right, like right, wherever right. it needed to be. Oh, that's cool. And that way it could have the flowing nature as you move it across the water. Right. And there's some test footage in there, and it, it's it's creepy. It, it looks like a puppet, but right, you know, right. it, it, I think the, uh, the what they did was probably the right. They had yeah. to be, I think, a, a CGI character, and they look pretty good. You know what I mean? Right. All these years later, that's they still look pretty good. Yeah. But does this film bring anything new to you? Yeah, it brings a whole new uh, element of the magical world, like whole new locations that we've never seen before, yeah. such as your Hogsmeads, kind of new areas of the castle, the Wizarding World in general, the Night Bus. Like, we get yeah. to see kind of new elements of the Wizarding World. We get, like, a new story that isn't Voldemort-focused for yeah. once. Like, this is probably the only other movie... This is the only movie, I think, that isn't 100% Voldemort-focused. Like, obviously, like, he's... You know, people are like, oh, you know who, but, like... He's not the villain of this movie, which yeah. is really fascinating and new. And we had a new Dumbledore. Yes. That's the yes, most important. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the new mood for the film. It's the whims- the whimsical nature of it. And it's this underlying layer of darkness. And you're right. There's you know new locations, new characters, new actors, you know, mm-hmm. all that. What is the best scene? God. It's Ugh. tough. I think there's is, a lot to choose from here. There is a lot. It, there is a lot to choose from. It's it's almost fast five level where you can just. It's it a lot of them. It's it's it a lot be. of them. It's a lot of them. Yeah, where you can just spin that roulette wheel and pick anything. Okay. Good lord. God, there's so many. I mean, like seriously, this is this is an event. <laughs> All right, I am going to pick the Bogart scene. Yeah. I'm picking the Bogart scene. Yeah. I think that entire scene is so much fun. You kind of get exactly what Lupin is about in that scene. Like, there's a lot of, like, character stuff with him that you can kind of tell that this is a pretty laid-back... This is probably the most laid-back yeah. defense against the Dark Arts teacher they've yeah. had. Yeah. And he's also... He also knows what he's doing, you know, because previously you have uh, Lockhart, who... Had no idea what he no, was no, doing no. and was not qualified to have that position. In this one, this is a guy who was actually qualified and actually knows what he's talking about. I mean, he teaches Harry the Patronus and all of that. But yeah, that whole Bogart scene is fantastic. Like, you have to see all the kids' fears coming out, whether it's a spider or a snake. You get Alan Ray. <laughs> you get Snape in the yeah. grandma's clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot it's of good wonderful. stuff there. Yeah, and, um, and it kind of leads to that moment with Harry and the, and the Dementor. But, like, that whole sequence is really fun. And yeah. I just, I, I like all the changing, the music behind it. It's just, it's so much fun. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's definitely one of my honorable mentions. I love the 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 Hagrid's class. Yes. Uh, I love the Hippogriff ride. I know some people aren't a big fan of that, but I, it's visually really stunning and it looks really cool. It's such a, a beautiful scene and moment. I love the time turner sequence at the end and how they do that. They show off that time travel technique and everything's kind of going around them in the yes. in, in the scene. It's really great. Even the Quidditch match, it's quick, but I really like that. It's a lot of fun. Hogsmeade stuff is really cool. I love the scene with Snape, Lupin, and Harry with the map, but I think I'm going to pick the Shrieking Shack confrontation. Interesting. And just like... This like collection of actors just in this scene, oh. just feeding off of each other, yeah. and it's really and the tensions building, uh-huh. and and all of it's just really well done. Yes. The, the design of the shrieking shacks really well done. The effects are really well done. Uh, the atmosphere is just it's really fantastic. So I want to go with that, and, and you know just the fact that you have you know David Thewlis, Gary Oldman, uh, Alan Rickman interacting and fighting with each other, and yeah. you've got these three younger actors kind of holding their own more or less yeah. against these you know very talented actors, older actors. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really strong scene. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's a great choice. 
pivotal. And but I do really love that uh, that Bogart scene, my mm-hmm. friend. You know, uh, connectivity. How does this uh, fit in with the rest of the franchise? <laughs> it's it's a Harry Potter movie, so it fits in because it just keeps telling <laughs> the story of Harry Potter. Absolutely. You know, it just it, it does continue the story from the previous films, but it's also not afraid to create its own tone. So it absolutely kind of stands yeah. out that way. Uh, is this a worthy continuation of the franchise? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yes. it is. And it's not just worthy, but it's the best so far. It's the best so far. Absolutely. Well, before we go into the future of the franchise, my friend, let's do some casting, some fun facts, and talk about some differences between the book and the movie. Yes, so I love that. Casting, we obviously have some casting here to talk about because we have a new Dumbledore, as you mentioned. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Obviously, Michael Gambon took over the role of Dumbledore after Richard Harris unfortunately passed away. Yes. Uh, from Hodgkin's disease, oh. apparently. Harris was actually determined to return to the role, uh, even told producer David Heyman to not re- recast the role while Heyman visited him in the hospital. So, like, he was like, I'm going to beat this. We're going to get, I'm going to go he, back. He was adamant. He was adamant. Yeah. Unfortunately, he did pass away. Oh. Producers did offer the role to a couple people. Yes. Uh, one of them was Christopher Lee. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Saruman. Yes. Yep. Christopher Lee. He had to turn down the role due to scheduling conflicts. Uh, they also offered it to Ian McKellen. Uh, <laughs> Bit of a story there. Yes. Uh, Ian McKellen did decline the role for a couple of reasons. One, uh-huh. because it was kind of s- similar to... Uh, Gandalf. Gandalf. He yeah. was just... He was just finished up Gandalf, I believe, at the time. He was just a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very... If you put Ian McKellen... And I think Ian McKellen's a great choice for Dumbledore. For but sure. If you put him in there, it is Gandalf, Everyone's right? only going to see Gandalf. Yeah. Uh, but he also turned it down because uh, apparently uh, <laughs> Richard Harris wasn't the biggest fan of uh, Ian McKellen. And he uh, apparently referred to him as a dreadful actor. Yeah, he And McKellen like thought that... Uh, it would be a little disrespectful for him to take this role up from a man. And he didn't seem offended by his comments. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't feel like it was respectful or the right move to replace this man who didn't respect him as an actor. But here's the other thing. It's like, like it, it, it makes him kind of shine more because he kind of says, you know what, I'm not going to take this because, yes, I just played Gandalf and people will see a wizard. But also, I'm not going to take this because this actor does not respect me and it would be disrespectful to him if I take this role. And yeah. it kind of just, I don't know, it, it makes you think higher of Ian McKellen, I, yeah, absolutely. that he would do that because he, like I said, he could have taken this out of spite. Yeah, and he chose. He not could to. have said, "Oh, he thinks I'm a dreadful actor. I'm going to be better than him. Let yeah. me. I'm going to take this role that he originated, and I'm going to make it better." Like yeah. he did, he literally stepped back and said, "I'm not the guy," and good for him. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I agree. It, it is funny though that, to kind of hear that. Like, yeah. It's oh, okay. It's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those weird things. Like you wouldn't think. Like, why would Richard Harris have beef with Ian yeah. McKellen? Yet he does. Uh, well, apparently, Richard Harris's family actually showed interest in Peter O'Toole. Uh, to take over the role of Dumbledore because uh, Harris and Peter O'Toole were good friends in real life so they kind of said well maybe he should take the role but producers did eventually pass on this because they were afraid of uh, Peter O'Toole's health and his age uh, you know, he's a little older at the time, and they were afraid that maybe his health would become more of an issue. And they already lost to Dumbledore. I don't think they want to get into losing For another, sure. another For sure. one. You know what yeah. I mean? So Peter Tool's a great actor, though. Oh, so. absolutely. I'm sure he would have been great. Uh, this is one I think I hinted at. I think last week, Warwick Davis appears in this film as the conductor of the Hogwarts Choir. Yes, he does. He looks a little different. Yes, he does. You know? So apparently, this was kind of like they didn't have. Flitwick in the in the movie. They well, own- he's he's portraying Flitwick. Well, right? so they only included scenes of classes that had new professors. So you don't see McGonagall. You don't see right. oh Snape's only teaching defense against the dark arts. He's not teaching potions. Right. You know what I mean? And that's a new class that he's stepping into. So you're not revisiting. So th- that means no Flitwick. 
mm-hmm. you know, they kind of wanted to include Warwick Davis, so they got him to come in. And he's already kind of played a couple of different characters anyway. Right. So they got him to come in, and he looks completely different to be the conductor. And then I think they kind of just were like, well, you know what? Let's just canonically make it make it Flitwick. <laughs> like, yeah. So I don't know. I don't even know if in this movie if he's considered to be Flitwick. Right. And then later they were like, you know what? Let's just let's just keep it. Let's keep the like, look. We like the design. Yeah. More than. And the I think old it, I think look. it looks so much better. Yeah. I think it's it, it's funny because I always at first you know I always attributed Flitwick to like the old guy with the yeah uh, with the sideburns and the and the white hair this old man but you know the new design. Design is better. The new yeah. design is and better. Also, kind I of mean, this younger looking guy. He's a charms professor. Like he's he would, he'd be able to he'd be able to to fix that. Yeah, he's yeah. The char- <laughs> <laughs> he can fix that. Uh, but yeah, so they just kind of were like, yeah, you know, let's just adapt it and and he'll, that that'll be Flitwick from now on. Right. So, but they never address him. I don't even know if he's credited as Flitwick in the movie. Um, but be, I, that, yeah, I, I think that that's that's it's fun to you know. I'm glad that they you know kind of did that, and we love Warwick Davis, and you know, I'm big glad Warwick here, Davis so. fans here. Yeah. Um, David Thewlis was Alfonso Cuarón's first choice for the role of Lupin, apparently. Uh, Thewlis was advised by Ian Hart, who played Quirrell from the first film, yeah. to uh, take the role. And he told him that Lupin was actually the best part of the book. So he ended oh, up... Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, he ended up taking the role for that. And, right. And then he went and then he read the third book. Right, right. <laughs> then he went and read the third book. He said, okay, uh, now I'll read it. There was a couple of things about Gary Oldman, about him taking the role of Sirius Black. I think... I think ultimately it's because he kind of wanted to look cool to his children, you know, kind of get like that credit. You know, that's we, kind of been a we hear that a lot, yeah, with the, with the adults on this movie, yeah. yeah. So uh, for Trelawney, they were actually looking at another actress. They were looking at Tilda Swinton. Oh, would have been, I think, just equally as probably incredible. equally as great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really great. Like, like that's. On the level of Emma Thompson, yeah. that's equal, yeah. She turned it down, uh, and apparently she later clarified something along the lines of, like, she personally had a negative experience from boarding schools. She had a dislike for movies that romanticized such, quote, lonely and isolating places. Oh, So I guess okay. she just didn't want to be involved Sounds in like boarding school Sounds like a personal experience. Movie. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of affected so, her choice here. I yeah. get Hey, yeah, man, I get it. You know, her experience is her experience. Absolutely. Uh, the character of Goyle, if you might notice, uh, yes. Malfoy's henchman, had a limited role in this film. Uh-huh. He's replaced by uh, another actor, another, like, Slytherin boy. Yeah. Uh, this is because the actor Josh Herdman injured his arm, and he was not able to film certain scenes. Mm. And instead, uh, Brown Webb appears as the Slytherin boy. He's right. apparently unnamed in the movie, but in the script, he's referred to as the character of Pike. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So he filled in for him in certain scenes to kind of get that extra balance of the two lackeys for Malfoy. Right. I think that character comes back. I Maybe. I'm sure. I, I think they reuse well, a lot a, of like, the a, Slytherin... There's a thing in Deathly Hollows. part no, one I think, no, I think that's a different... That's a completely different that's character. A completely I, think, different I think, yeah. Well, I thought they I, brought Pike. You know what I'm talking about. I know what yeah, you're yeah. talking about. We'll yeah. get there. I think it's a different character. Yeah. I think it is. Uh, that's fun stuff. <laughs> so, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so Richard Attenborough apparently lobbied for the role of Dumbledore, but was eventually passed over. Um, you know what? That's what you get for lobbying. <laughs> Take that, Richard Attenborough. Go make Jurassic Park. Yeah, go make Jurassic Park. <laughs> okay, so this this isn't really a like a like a casting fact, but I wanted to include this because uh, kind of like a meme and stuff I saw online. Like, even going back to my childhood watching this movie, there's somebody in this movie that kind of comes out of nowhere. And, like, even growing up, I was kind of like, mm-hmm. what is... Who is this? Who? What is... <laughs> and it kind of became a meme online that there is this new boy in Gryffindor, apparently, that's never been in the books. Nobody ever... They created never, a new boy. Yeah, yeah, he's never referenced... You know what I'm talking about. He's like, He knows about the Grimm, and he knows about serious... But he delivers these kind of ominous lines yeah. in this movie... 
who is this guy? Yeah. And apparently the character is, is uh, I don't think he's credited as this. I don't know where they got this name from, but, but online he's referred to as Bem. Bem. And he's a, he's a Nigerian wizard who was sorted into Gryffindor. Okay. He appears to be in Harry's age, okay. but he doesn't live in the dorm with the other boys. He's not a part of that dorm. Yeah. Because it looks like but, everyone But I think that's dorm. the only dorm. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. What? Whatever. For all those kids? Yeah, I think so. Because I think there are only so many of the, it's it's of by age I think so it's of Harry's age only those kid those Gryffindor boys oh, live in that dorm. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Interesting. But so he's not there. So I we'll get into it. But uh, he was added for the movie. He's never in the book. Uh-huh. Uh, he appears. He's, he's um, portrayed by the actor. I believe it's Echo Quarty. Okay. I believe is the guy's name. He will come back. He is. Oh. In, he is in Order of the Phoenix. Oh, nice. And when he appears in Order of the Phoenix, he's now a Ravenclaw. So I think they realized oh, I shouldn't have been. Should've, should've they been made Griffin, some mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> he got resorted in year five. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's in. I think they needed some people for Dumbledore's army, so they found a way to kind of slide oh, that in. Oh man, there's some continuity issues here. <laughs> Let's talk about some other fun facts. Uh, you know, some of these we mentioned. Uh, we mentioned Alfonso Cuarón uh, having them write the uh, write the essays. Yes. yes. Uh, Crint not doing his. Uh, Alfonso Cuarón had never read or watched any of the books or movies, uh, and when he was offered the job of directing, uh, a friend of his named uh, Mr. Guillermo del Toro Ooh, uh, told a him name that has come up quite a bit around here. <laughs> told him, uh, "Don't be stupid. Read them immediately." Yeah. So, uh, Guillermo del Toro was apparently offered the role of director, but he turned it down to do Hellboy. Wow. Imagine a so, Guillermo del Toro Harry I Potter think movie. I think this would be very similar, though, I think. I think this would be similar, but also, also I think there's be, a world where I think... But Guillermo del Toro also really likes to play in darkness, too. Yeah, I th- so, yeah. I think, like, Goblet of Fire or yes. Order of... Fe- like, yeah, I think he it, would have knocked that yeah, out of the yeah, park, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I like that, you know, he didn't take the role, but then he's like, hey, yeah. hey you're my you friend. Like, you should take yeah. this. So, it doesn't seem like he did it out of, on you know, not being interested. I think yeah, he, just was, he was working you know, on Hellboy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alfonso Cuarón was forbidden from cursing in front of the kids due, a, due to a clause in his contract. Oh, oh so he, he he sounds like someone who has a bit of a uh, sailor's mouth. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. I think they talk about this in the 20-year anniversary, but in the sleeping bag scene, Alfonso Cuarón, Michael Gambon, and Alan Rickman played a prank. They hit a remote... I know this. They hit a yeah. remote control yeah. operator, whoopee cushion, and Dana Radcliffe's sleeping bag. And I believe he was sleeping... I believe he had asked to be placed next to a girl he had a crush on. Yes. And during that scene, they were just letting it fart. Yeah. I have have seen this. That video is out there, and it's very funny. Because they're just standing there. They're doing the scene, and then all of a sudden, it just starts farting. And you just see Radcliffe break, and he's like, come on. (laughs) He's like, come on. Um, Alfonso Cuarón had the three main characters wear normal clothes more often in the movie in order for them to show their personality Mm -hmm. more. Uh, while also advising the other kids to wear their robes any other way, any way that they wanted to make make everything look more real. Yeah. I, I think that adds to the authenticity I agree. of this movie. Yeah, instead of everyone being like prim and proper, exactly. it's just it's, kind of like anyone can you if you think your character will wear it that way, you wear it that yeah. way. I mentioned this, but Alfonso Cuarón had changed the layout of the Hogwarts castle to make it feel more real. 
and less like sets. Mm-hmm. Doing this by linking spaces such as connecting the Great Hall to a hallway leading to a staircase. Uh, Chris Columbus, like I mentioned earlier, uh, apparently originally signed on to direct all of the Harry Potter films when he originally signed on. Wow. But he left after the second film as director to spend more time with his family. He, I had, I guess, feared that uh, he would miss out on his children growing up because he had younger children at the time. Right. Uh, and he acted as a producer instead on this film before completely leaving the franchise after shooting and wrapped on this film. So he does appear in some of the DVD special features, which I right. thought was really interesting to see. Um, Imagine all these movies yeah. directed by him, though. Yeah. That's a, that's a different... I'm glad they also, went the way a, they did. What a gamble to just say, yeah. hey... At that time, we'll assume direct seven. You movies. Know, I think at the time that was kind of an like. I think this whole process it was kind of this unheard of thing that they were right, going to do right. something like this. You know, he. I think it's perfect that he walked away because yes. again, as we've kept talking about, he was perfect for those first two movies. And let's be honest, he could probably live off the money from those first two movies for yeah, the rest of his I'm life. I'm pretty sure so it's like he's good. Well, in fact, I I want to say I want to say I think this is for next week. Uh, but he, I think I. One of the when I was reading the information, I think it said Columbus made like ten million dollars a movie. I think to direct this, so to direct those movies, I think. Wow. So yeah, That's I, enough. Think, I think he's all right. Yeah, I think he's all right. Um, uh, apparently Alfonso Cuarón had an idea for tiny people to be inhabiting Hogwarts and a scene featuring them jumping on piano keys. Uh, but this was firmly vetoed by J.K. Rowling. She didn't, she didn't <laughs> like that. But you know, she didn't like that. But you know. She kind of was like, hey, maybe you don't you don't need bathrooms. Maybe you can just, as long as just poop on the ground, you know, whatever, magic it away, you know, whatever. Oh, uh, there's so many issues with that woman. <laughs> but uh, the film received two Academy Awards uh, nominations. Technical? Uh, one for John Williams' score. Of course. Uh, but it lost to Finding Neverland. Uh-huh. And one for visual effects, but it lost to Spider-Man 2. Fair enough. Spider-Man 2 is a visual spectacle. Yeah. And then we have our major differences between the book and the movie. Yes. A lot of these are pretty small, I think. Uh, a lot of the differences have to deal with the Marauders. So the backstory of the Marauders is not fully explored. So basically, Sirius Black, uh, Lupin, James Potter, and Peter Pettigrew, they were the Marauders. Right. You know, we know that from the book. Right. They made the Marauders map. They were friends. Also, you know, they don't explore in here that the kind of the history of that they were all these uh, unregistered Animagus or Animagi, like depending on it, the the pronunciation can be argued either way, Mm -hmm. but uh, that... When Lupin, being a werewolf, his friends felt bad for him, learned how to transfer him into animals, and mm-hmm. they went to the Shrieking Shack, uh, and they all kind of hung out in the Shrieking Shack, and that's why the Shrieking Shack had the reputation of being haunted, right. because people heard the howls and everything of the animals in oh. there, uh, and that's all in that's all in the book, right. but not really explored in here. So the Shrieking Shack is just kind of a building. So they kind of include include it, but they leave out the legacy of it. They don't mention the relationship of it they don't mention mm. that they never explain who right. like on the marauders map they never explain who mooney and padfoot and prongs and all them are right you know what i mean so he never fully in this movie learns that his dad actually made that map like they right never that say he was that. a part of the, yeah exactly yeah, they yeah. never really say that interesting um which you know is fine they don't they don't have time is you slow things down to, to say that right right maybe lupin could have said that when he was leaving like by the way Made that, you know, but... Uh, I mean, it would be, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I think that should maybe, uh, like you said, maybe when he's leaving, like, oh, you know, me and your father made that or something. Yeah. Just, like, drop it in there. Like, yeah. well, whatever. So, yeah, that's a lot of it. It's like the backstories, a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that kind of got dropped. That also ties into how Sirius escaped from Azkaban because they don't explain it in the movie. 
Well, in the book, it's explained that because he is this unregistered, unregistered animagus or whatever, right. he turns into a dog, and they they kind of let the dog out. Like they don't realize, yeah. And they, they let the dog out. So that's kind of how he escapes. Incredible. The movie only features Buckbeak, the hippogriff, while the book features several other hippogriffs. Oh. I understand they don't need they don't have that in the budget. Yeah, we can't have <laughs> we can't have numerous hippogri hippogri running around. <laughs> In the book, there is emphasis on the Fidelius charm, um, which is the spell that was used to protect the potter. So basically what this is, is mm-hmm. in the book, they explain the betrayal of, of how Peter Pettigrew or Sirius Black, whoever, right. betrayed the potters. So in the book, and again, I know you read the book, but it's probably been forever. It's been a long time. Um, yeah. There was the Fidelius charm put on, and that protects the people that are living there. Like, you can't you can't just walk to this person's house. Like, right. you can be literally in front of it, you will never be able to find it or enter it right. because you don't know the secret, you're not a secret keeper. And they, they were going to choose Sirius Black to be the secret keeper and Black, at the last minute, convinced them to make Peter Pettigrew the secret keeper because he thought that he'd be better at it or or oh. they, they would expect, people would expect Black to be the secret keeper so right. why don't we make Peter Pettigrew? Right. Peter Pettigrew then ran off to Voldemort and yes. told him what happened yes. and sold them out. And right. then, that led to Sirius Black doing, you know, trying to kill Azkaban, yeah. exactly. Um, so they that's that's all left out. Wow. And how that, you know, again, do they have time for that? Like it's that's very confusing. No. It's very it's easier to read and explain that than having somebody trying to sit there and talk and right. there was this charm and da 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 da. Right, you right, know right. what I mean? That's it's hard. Um, so that would have been cool, but I understand why they didn't do it. There's also more on like well, there's one the character of. Crook Shanks, and it was, and I don't even have this written down it's from my memory, is played up more in the book of like, she kind of sniffs out that pedigree. Like, that's why she keeps going right, after scabbers, because right. she kind of sniffs out that there's something going on there's with There's something off with this yeah, rat. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's a boy. He kind of sniffs out there's something wrong with this rat. Right. And I think Sirius Black, they show Crook Shanks and Black working together to try to get scabbers, which is a, kind of a fun concept as well. Right. And uh, he, I think, credits Crook Shanks for trying to help with that. Thank um, you, Crook Shanks. <laughs> Thank you, Crookshanks. And um, and also uh, the emphasis on like they show the clip of Ron's family in Egypt on the on the newspaper, but that newspaper is why that newspaper clipping is why Sirius Black escaped because he was perfectly con- content mm-hmm. living in Azkaban because he thought he killed Peter Pettigrew until he right. saw the newspaper and he recognized the rat. Wow! And he knew he was still alive, and, he, and that's why he escaped to get right. his revenge oh, on him. Wow! So like, there's little things like that, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, it's it, that is very hard to convey in a in a movie like that's right. a lot of like the like explanation like that is easier to read it's harder to, to put that right, out there right um the character cho chang is mentioned in the third book and she's shown in the third book she's harry's crush she's not featured in any way in the movie and she doesn't appear until the next film mm. the film highlights the romantic tension between ron and hermione uh it's played up way more in the movie than it is in the book <laughs> yes, it's not yes, really it's... a thing in the book yeah um, Harry gets his new broom in the middle of the book while the film ends with him getting it and flying around. I don't care about that. No, no, it, it's a yeah, fun way to end It's a movie. fun way to end the movie. Um, there's also a few sim- smaller differences such as like the small owl pidwidging Pigwigan, Pigwigan, I'd never figured out how to pronounce it, uh-huh. being given to Ron by Sirius Black and Sirius signing Harry's permission slip to go to Hogsmeade are not yeah. featured in the movie. Yeah. Although the character of Pigwigan and Harry going to Hogsmeade in later movies is shown. So it's just kind of applied that that's kind of right, where just kind of, Yeah, sure. You don't, again, you don't need that in the movie. Right, right, you know? right. Uh, but yeah, just some fun little differences. So. Nice. And again, a lot of it's that, that backstory, like 
that's what the that's the kind of the differences that I think the big differences is that the movie doesn't have time to tell these backstories because right. that's that's ten minutes right there right. to sit there and say all it, that. It would take too much time to do that. Yeah. Like if and, you're sitting there doing that, and that's the thing with all these books and people, are, you know, obviously fans are the book purists are going to complain about this, but you have to do that. There's no way that you can get every single detail, every chapter from this book into this movie. You need to streamline this. Or then we end up having a problem and, you know, Runtime Ryan comes out and starts saying, <laughs> edit your movie. Like, it's not, just, it's one of those week. things. Not, not this, this week. week, but like, it's one of those things where if yeah. they were doing that, I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to sit through a three and a half hour Harry Potter no, movie. No, no, no. Because they're trying to stay as true to the book as they possibly yeah, I, can. I think they handled it the best they could. And, and they can kind of make references to other things as they go through the move the movies and, and kind of like that you yeah, know yeah it, it, the fidelis charm i don't think is necessarily that important you know going forward so yeah it's kind of explains the backstory of what happened but like i don't you know i don't, I don't know. think it comes back really now I, I, to. to me it's always like if you want if you want those little details and you want to flesh that out mm-hmm. more than read the books yeah but if you just want like an entertaining movie watch the movie and that's know? what it's meant that's to be. what it is yeah. yeah so well feature of the franchise this is our, this is our favorite section for <sighs> this uh Lots to talk about here. Yes. Uh, uh, should there have been a sequel to this? Uh, I would hope so. Yes, absolutely. You know, with these books, it's kind of hard. Seven books, so we know there's going to be at least seven movies. Yes. What do you want to see in the future? I want to see Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our favorite a question as well, what franchise star would you add to this franchise? It's getting harder and harder every yeah. week. Uh, you know, it's getting it's going to be so difficult by the end. Um <laughs> You know, I. Uh, oh, you know who I who I think would be great, just off the top of my head right now, Daniel Craig. Yeah, I think we. Cool. I don't know what he would do. No, I, yeah, but, like I feel like he'd be like also maybe like he could switch out as like a Lupin. Like he's not going to be Lupin, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. I don't know, maybe he's like uh, like somebody in the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, uh, something like that. I don't know, Daniel yeah. Craig maybe. I have uh, Kira Knightley. I think it would be fun. Yeah, and great uh, choice. Colin Farrell, <sighs> who. Joins this world later on. He does. Not, I, I wasn't even th- world, to be honest. But, I wasn't even thinking about yeah, that. But yeah. you're right. He does, does the fantastic. Does join the wizarding world at some point. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So well, let's uh, do a ranking of these films. Let's do it. All right. So we have three films. So uh, I think this is pretty easy for yeah. us. Let's go back to number three. What's the number third ranked film? Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yes. So what's number two? Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> and what's number one? Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. What's a philosopher? Oh, please. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. Uh, this I is said it. <laughs> this is the uh, <laughs> this is the best film in the series so far. Yeah, M- yeah. might. Might stay on it top. Probably will stay on top. We'll see. Will. I'm going to see if I can, what I can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. We'll see when we we'll get see. there. When we get there, um, um, there's obviously five more films we have to go through yes. here, and you know. Uh, it's very fair to say that these uh, the two under that there's gonna be a lot of shifting happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm really excited to see where we're at, what our final list comes out to, because after this week, I kind of had in my head already these first three films. Oh yeah. Like how I knew they were ranked. We're kind of going into like the Wild West next week, where I'm like, we're just gonna see where these land for me, because I I don't really have that ranking in my head right now, and I'm really curious to see where I end up placing some of these. So you're absolutely right, and I I think like. Again, Again, like it's always interesting to to see like where people are on these next like several movies because I think the opinions kind of vary wildly. Like, this is where it gets divisive. Yeah, well, yeah. the the fourth movie people really hate. 
the yeah. fourth movie. People hate it. And yeah. I, I, from what I remember, really loved the first, the fourth movie. Yep. I think what people, the consensus I saw people saying is, it's a very good movie. It's a terrible adaptation. But I think that goes that that t- next week is where we're going to have the conversation yeah. of the book versus the movie. Mm-hmm. You know. Ad- adapting, you know, this, like, the movie kind of, like, in my opinion, I, I like I said, it, you know, the movie kind of has to be its own thing, right? Yeah. The movie kind of has to tell its own story to make it work. Like, yep. I don't want to see, you're right, I don't want to see a three and a half hour movie because we can get everything in, you know what I mean? Like, I would rather them streamline it down and get the kind of the highlights and but tell the story of the Harry Potter character. Like this, like I said it before, this is the, this is, Harry Potter. This is his story. Yeah. The character of Harry Potter is needs to be the mainline story. So if there's some in really interesting side plots going on, that's great. But like, if they don't fit into the movie and they don't directly correlate to Harry, then mm-hmm. I don't think they need to be in the movie. If it's not know? advancing Harry's story, it shouldn't be there. No, I mean, if they had time to do it, of course, yeah, you know, absolutely. Philosopher Stone, or you know, Philosopher Stone, Chamber of Secrets, they had a little bit more time to do it, but we we did complain a little bit of the bloated nature of those movies a Absolutely. little bit yeah and i think what made this what made azkaban so strong is they don't they don't really do that you know what I yeah. mean? They, they don't really do that so yeah. uh it'll be interesting to kind of see what you know as we go forward and you're right like this is you know now we're entering the really dark kind of era of harry potter um <laughs> uh, and yeah these in, next couple of weeks are going to be the darker paths we're going to be yeah. walking here um this was like we we said this week going in this is kind of this was kind of the last wide-eyed uh whimsical adventure we get yeah. and we're we're going into the darkness next week and it's pretty much going to stay that way until seven part two so you know it is what it is i'm excited though i'm excited to start next week i mean again there's more differences another new director um who also only does one movie yeah. and i don't know maybe that's part of why people dislike goblet and we'll, we'll talk it we'll talk about it but, but i'm excited to watch it you know i actually I found a uh, a fun fact here. I, I missed it. I'm sorry. I left this fun fact off. Do you know in the Boggart scene, you know, it's your favorite scene, you know, Lupin drops the the needle on a record, right? You know, plays. It's, yeah. it's really wonderful, really wonderful. Uh, you know that, that song? It's like a big band song, right? It's actually, you know, they were legally obligated to uh, actually uh, have a, uh, a Bruce Springsteen song originally for that. Did you know that? I did not know that. Well, it's a good thing. I mean, he's unfortunately, you know, he's here. He's yeah, here with us. Yeah, so. I'm sure he really feels like he's backed himself into a corner here. So let's bring him in. <laughs> Bruce, come on over here. Hey. All right, Bruce, we, we, we let's just cut to the chase. Uh, just play us the stupid song and let's go, let's go on. All right, well, before I start, I just wanted to say I really enjoyed your conversation there about uh, Harry Potter and the Amazonian princess. That was really cool. It's, I, don't, I don't think that's what it's called. It's called Amazonian princess. I watched it. I read the book, too. I read it to my son every night. It said, Harry Potter and the Amazonian Princess, and I read it to him every night. All right, uh, my song is called uh, Patronus. Okay. You don't sound very excited. I mean, very low energy. All right, here we go. Oh, Harry, you did it. You shot your Patronus for the first time. You shot it all over those Dementors and left them dripping with your magic. Those Dementors were covered head to floaty feet. Harry, you summoned up the courage. And you covered them in your Patronus. That's my song. Uh, it's, uh, you hinting at anything there? What are you talking about? It's about Harry's Patronus. You, is there like a metaphor in there, or? When I watch this movie, I'm assuming that Harry is Am I wrong? Yeah, Bruce, uh, it's been a pleasure. But 
Patron. That's what the song's about. It's, it's about. A, it's a it's a spell verse. No, no, it's not that. It's not a spell. It's clearly. Did you watch the movie. I did. It's clearly an allegory for Harry discovering. All right, Bruce. All right, all right. That's... All right. I'm. You know what? Fine. I'll get out of here. I'm gonna get out of your hair. But I stand by my song. All right. Well, my friend and Bruce, I guess. I hate that man. Uh, that's uh, this is a. Wrong we just experience. let him come on here and sing a song about. <laughs> I just leave the room. I don't want to be here when he's here. It's like Arnold, you know? Yeah. He kind of, he's overstaying his welcome. It's it's very annoying. Well, my friend, let's just, you know, let's wrap it up. Let's, let's do that. That let's brings us to the end, the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Tony. And we appreciate everybody for the support. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FranchiseMePod. You can see all of our rankings on Letterboxd. It's FranchiseMe, just one word. And you can send us an email, FranchiseMePod at gmail.com. Give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Give us your feedback so we can get better each week. Also, check out our bonus series, A Year in Franchises, where each episode we break down all of the franchise movies in a year. Don't forget to check out our website, FranchiseMePodcast.com, where you can see all of our episodes. Make sure you come back next week as we enter the Triwizard Tournament and discuss Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Yeah!